The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's going after the black sheep. Welcome, Jacob. Hey! Help! Never mind. Thanks. I was going to grab that. Darn dragon. Thanks for nothing, you useless <laughs> reptile. <laughs> Why, thank you. Let me use our co-host, a man who uh, just wants to get away from all the troubles of the world and ruling a, a possible empire at some point or a kingdom or whatever. Welcome, Drew. Sail away, sail away, exactly. Sail away. I don't know the rest of the song. Um, <laughs> How are you doing, Jacob? Dude, I am doing very well. It's been an interesting couple of days. Let's say Has that. It? Uh, let's see. Uh, me and my girlfriend, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Hi, uh, Ashley. Yeah, she'll be either watching or listening at some point. At some point. At some point. Uh, so me and her, we went to uh, Dallas. We went to Arlington to go watch the uh, Texas Rangers game. Uh-huh. Got to meet a couple of her, uh, a little bit of her family. Great time, throw back. Had a great time, come, you know, coming back. Um, Sunday was extremely busy. Um, I, I wound up. I'm not going to say reason why because it's not. It's not going to say the reason why, but I had to throw up both my bed and my match, my uh, box spring. Yeah, I'm curious what happened. There. Yeah, I'm not going to say that on air. I will have to remember to ask you once we go off yes. air. Yes. Yes. So I have been sleeping on my couch for the last two, two and a half days. You know, you, you shouldn't drink water that late at night. Oh, you dirty, dirty dog. <laughs> dirty. I doubt that's actually it. <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely not. But it's just a thought that comes to mind. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> How's your week been? <laughs> My week has been pretty good. I did have to work some uh, weekends this week, but not, nothing too terrible. Uh, did get the project I've been alluding to for the past month right. actually started. Uh, if you check in the RSS feed of the podcast, uh, which some of you probably are listening to, you this right now, you'll note there's a couple episodes of uh, Untangling Kingdom Hearts in there where I'm starting with uh going through all of kingdom hearts just a little at a time trying to make the time uh understand help understand what the story is going to and mm -hmm. where possibly it's going and i started in a weird spot admittedly because i didn't start with the original right. kingdom hearts but i started with kingdom hearts union cross which is a cell phone mmo gotcha game yeah Except the got the the game itself is now offline, so all that's left is the cutscenes. That is, and just for too reasons funny. unknown to me, they didn't include certain types of cutscenes in there. They only included the uh, more cinematic looking cutscenes. Really? Yeah, I I know some of our uh, listeners will probably know what I'm talking about if when I say the. Uh, the paper doll type cutscenes. You gotcha. probably don't know what I'm talking about, but probably uh, not. Uh, in a lot of games, uh, they'll have uh, in order to help save, especially of those made in Japan. Yeah, 
they will have like character portraits mm-hmm. on the text box uh, that will come in and out, and there'll be some like light animation yeah. that are on those. The scenes that included that were set up that way, for some reason, they didn't leave in the game. And sometimes those scenes are where the story is. Yeah. I've discovered. So now, along with watching the episodes on my phone mm-hmm. or the, uh, the cutscenes, Yeah. On the program on my phone. I'm also watching, uh, kind of a transitionary into what we've been watching. Cause mm. I had been watching this for, for the, for, uh, for, for untangling kingdom hearts. Uh, I've been on play frames, YouTube channel, uh, watching his because he, he has these uh, uh, playlists of let's plays mm-hmm. called story mode where it focuses on just the story yeah. of the game he shows some gameplay to give you an idea of what it's like but for the most part especially when you're getting to those points where you're having to the fighting gets a little wrong right. in the tooth yeah um he goes and just does and, and focuses mostly on the story aspects of the game and he's done that for all of the kingdom hearts games that have come out so far. Really? He's actually working on it now for final fantasy 14. He's in the middle of heaven's word, this first expansion. Okay. Uh, but I have been watching a lot of his stuff recently. Okay. And to the point now where it's like, yeah, I'm actually having to include, I'm now including links in the show notes. It's like, yeah, this is the primary source for what have you been watching? All right, so what have I been watching? Yeah, go ahead and tell us what you've been watching. All right, so I watched over, I think it was, I think it was Friday. I think it was Friday, I think. No, 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 it was Saturday. When was this? Sunday. It was Sunday afternoon. Uh, I got a call from my brother, Jim, and he was like, hey, we're going to go watch the movie this time. Well, I couldn't make it because I was busy that I'm busy all Sunday. Let's say that. Right. And uh, we wound up watching it, on, I think, at like four that afternoon in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, uh, I think I already said it, uh, Thor of Love and Thunder. You did not say it was Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, I, I wouldn't watch. I figured. Yeah, uh, Thor of Love and Thunder. It's an okay. It's it's a popcorn movie. It's a popcorn. Movie. It's like a B movie. It's mm-hmm. not not a B movie. It's like a three star film. It's okay. Uh, it's got some continuity issues where it's it says one thing and then it does the other. It's more like trying more plot convenience than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have just some really good acting. You got some like, okay, this is a little weird. Uh, I like Taika Waititi as a, a director, but I don't like his infusion of humor and everything. <laughs> this I can see because yeah. I, from what I understand, I haven't watched the film yet. Yeah. It does kind of uh, take away from some of the, uh, some of the more uh sen- not sensitive that's not the word i'm looking for some of the uh the more quieter moments of the of the film where yeah you're actually doing some important character development and dealing with you know some darker things and then there's a joke that yeah lightens the mood of just a touch too fast yeah korg that's my understanding uh, yeah yeah th- there was a point in the movie not saying anything about the film because mm-hmm. it's brand new uh there was a point where uh our our main characters come in contact with a very uh very large mythological character and this character and it disintegrates a certain character and at the point i had the popcorn in between my legs and i'm patting the popcorn like i'm clapping because <laughs> i was so excited this character died <laughs> but sadly he didn't <laughs> now he's just a head <laughs> i take it there's a character in the film you just don't like or or thor ragnarok and 
our what else is what other if it's um, the character i'm thinking yeah of, in game the whole bit point in end game oh yeah playing Fortnite. yeah on a playstation 4 in 2004 in 2023 yeah proving the playstation 5 is still hard to get a hold of in 2023 <laughs> not that that was intended but no, that's what happened that's exactly what it, yeah so yeah i watched that i feel like it's if if you're a uh, a Marvel nerd, yeah, you're gonna go watch this no matter what. Oh yeah, that kind of goes without saying because you yeah. got to keep up with what's going on. Yeah, uh, but it's 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 worth a watch. It's worth you know having your own opinion about a film. But to me, it's like a, it's a three star three star film. Uh, so would you say if you just general rating amongst the rest of the Marvel films, like would it be like in the upper half the lower half in the middle near the bottom oh gosh. where would you put that you're in you're, overall? you're 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 trying to i'm put, just trying to estimate where it fits on your scale on your scale oh i'm not even asking which movie would, it's above or below just kind of a general i'd probably see ranking. somewhere in the middle okay because there, there are a few marvel films i haven't seen yet which i'll have to talk to you about talk to oh, talk okay. to you about later right there <laughs> what they're all right there. Oh, they are right there. Never mind. And on Disney Plus. And on Disney Plus, of course. Um, but yeah, it's it's worth it's worth a watch. Worth a watch. Just go watch it. Yeah, Bell, uh, Christian Bell does an amazing job, like anything he does. Hmm. But other than that, uh, I finished because I know we are reviewing Tangle Rapunzel. I almost did the same thing you did. Yeah, Rapunzel's Tangle Adventure uh, season two. I finished that off and just like nah, I so good. Almost watched the last two episodes. It's mm-hmm. like. I think I will wait because, you know, mm. tension is a nice thing sometimes. That is true. Yeah. Now, watching. Now we're finally getting back to story. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Yes, we will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. I would definitely agree with you. They kind of started compacting all this information towards the end of the story. Just sort- wanting them to stretch the story out, give us more story tidbits throughout the season. Not granted, they what they did at least introduce something that is a major point and had the, that character continue to show up over the course of the season. But mm. you would not have known that character was anything but just sketchy until this episode. True, but anyway, true. Uh, so I watched that, and I was just doing my notes. I finished that, and while I was trying to complete my notes, I was like, "What movie do I? I'm already on Disney Plus." Yes, uh, a movie that we've already reviewed drives me. Th- um, um, through the roof. Yeah, drives me through the roof. Uh, historically, but it's a fun movie to watch. <laughs> Hercules. 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's in no way, shape, or form accurate to no to mythology. No, it's not. But it's it's Mytho- a is mythologically a, accurate an actual term? Kind of. All I know is even the mythology contradicts itself. Well, but... myth mythology is simply just story. Yes, but the myth. I'm just saying there's if it, the Greek mythology was an actual re- was was a religious belief system yes. at one time. Yes, and unlike. Uh, some cases still is in some yeah in some cases it still is but it's a little it contradicts itself a little more than most oh it does that's all i'm saying it does like seriously that zeus is really gonna care about one of the tens of thousands of kid he offspringed (laughs) 
I have something interesting to bring up when we get to mine, but continue. Yeah. Uh, so I watched that great movie. It's on Disney plus, you know, go watch it. If you haven't some be like, if you're one in a million people, I've never seen Hercules go watch it before they do a live action version of it and ruin it. They are working on it because I have, I remember hearing things about how they were looking for someone to play Hades and I'm sitting there going, just ask James Woods. He will do it. He loves the character and he, I bet you he can do it in live action. Yeah. Or at least, but I have a feeling you're not going to do that because y'all keep ruining your live action remakes. (laughs) Pardon me. (laughs) We have opinion about live action films. Or at least the live there action has, remakes. There have been some good ones. True, there have. But they are the exception to the rule. <laughs> true. So true. Anyway. So that is all I've been watching. I did start into season one, or season three, episode one. And, <sighs> man, brother, I, I've got to say this. Considering what they were hinting at in these episodes. Oh, yeah. And what I was kind of, and, and what I have been assuming uh, this whole time, especially considering I kind of have been slightly spoiled due to stupid internet. Uh, <laughs> internet Disney research. freaking plus screwed it up. Oh, because they put the picture like as album art, not album art. Oh, the advertisement. Yeah. They put the thing of that, that. Yeah. Tried to say it without spoiling it. Right. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I bet that means something. Uh, huh. And considering how negative that relationship has been going all season long. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> considering oh. one of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, true. I suspect definitely the towards the end of it. Turned. Definitely towards the end of that episode. Let's say that. Yes, I have but, questions. Yeah. Well, we'll get there when we get there. Agreed. But brother, I've got to say, once we start season three, be like the first, I think the first for maybe like 10 minutes it's just like because you get all the backstory you get what's going on you mean the and stuff they should have been talking about all through season no one and two? no uh-uh this this is perfect setup to where they where they okay. set it okay and it's just like at like i watched the first time i'm literally weeping okay <laughs> the second time i'm like keep it together bro it's a cartoon this is so good oh my gosh my heart's breaking <laughs> i still have a pen th- a thoughts yeah, things we'll see if my theories hold true going forward. But it's a cell theory. Not to the uh, to the animated series section of the show yet. No, we are not. But so yeah, be like I'm. I'm looking forward to when we finish season two of yes, yes. Uh, uh, Rapunzel's Single Adventure and getting into season three. Okay. So yeah. So what have you been watching? Um, or have we done it? No, we haven't. Go no, on. I haven't done me. That's what I thought. Yeah, I hadn't done me. Uh, well, one of the first things that I finished this week as I watched the last episode, the season finale of Spy Family. Yeah. How did that go? Since you now have the manga. <laughs> yeah, I have the manga now. Uh, it does not, While it is the season finale, it very much feels like we just got to the end of an episode and now we have to take a hiatus kind of a thing. Right. It does actually do a good job of doing like a minor wrap up Mm -hmm. uh, at least letting you it gives you a little bit of a of a uh, resolution not really a resolution but a little more of the confirmation yeah that the family is a family even though none of even though they don't claim to be except uh 
to the outside world because they still consider themselves a pretend family. But there's still a lot of confirmations like, oh, yeah, this when they okay, There is a good chance Mm -hmm. in future seasons I might get angry because there's something I can see coming Mm -hmm. that the manga, to my knowledge, has not even touched on yet. Oh, yeah. And that is the fact that the uh, okay, so basic setup. Yeah. Uh, The father of this family, Lloyd Forger, is a spy for the country of West Dallas. Yes. He has to have a, uh, in order for him to get close to his target, mm-hmm. he has to uh, adopt a child and get, and get them into in a prestigious school, mm-hmm. even college, because the only time this target has ever does anything publicly or uh, where he can be found mm-hmm. is at social events for the school. Mm. So he adopts a little girl named Anya. Oh gosh, Anya. <laughs> and, um, She's a trip. She's also a psychic, but she's also a four-year-old child. Uh huh. And they did a good job of writing the character and having her actually seem like a child. Mm-hmm. There are so many stories, both anime and Western, where they don't know how to write children. Very I'm sure true. you understand. And this is yes. like, this is actually a wet, very well. This is feels like an actual child, even though both the Japanese and uh, American actresses are not children, mm. but it, the acting is very on par. And then they have, to, and then uh, in order to get into the entrance interview, both the father and the mother have to show up. So he has to go find a wife, and the woman he finds, he believes, is just a worker in the Austinian mm-hmm. civil service. But in reality, she is an assassin. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, they those two do not know that you know their 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 partner's secret identity mm-hmm. or the fact that their child is a psychic. Yeah, but and the Anya, child knows because she, uh, that, about, that that they're um, an assassin and a mm-hmm. spy because she is psychic, but she doesn't want to tell let them know that. So a lot of it is them hiding these aspects of themselves, but still coming together and actually being a pretty well made family. Yeah. But you'll notice I mentioned a couple things in my description there. Mm-hmm. He is for the country of what works for the country of West Stalas. Mm-hmm. She is an she is an assassin for Ostania. Oh. Two sides of this Cold War. Yes. One is essentially because they don't they, they intentionally change the names yeah. of these countries, but you can definitely tell this is Germany. Or it's supposed to be Germany. Okay. <laughs> and he was working for West Germany and she's working for East Germany. Germany. Ah. And because the capital they're in is Berlin. Berl- subtle. <laughs> so subtle. very subtle. subtle. <laughs> oh my gosh. So very subtle. And I, there's another thing that what caused me to realize that because the the show does not it it it, it goes past it. It's very subtle on how that the fact that she's working for Estonia. But when it stuck out to me is about halfway through the season when we find out who her her brother works for. Oh. And he's a trip, too. But I don't want to spoil anything. So I'm not going to say who he works for. Oh, okay. But uh, you wouldn't want to get on their bad side. Uh, So, so but uh, yeah, I have a feeling at some point in the future, 
Thorn Princess, that's her alias, mm. is going to get a hit on Twilight, which is his alias. Yes. And I'm going to be and I'm going to be both. I have no idea who to root for. Y'all better come come together somehow. Anya, you, you, you're you up. <laughs> so can I, can I say with certain, like whenever, like obviously we get done with Tangled and whatever. At some point, this show is going on the animated series. Okay. All right. This is like one of my favorite anime, right? There have been shows I've said this is like my favorite anime. Mm-hmm. In most cases, if I'm thinking in reality, it's like, okay, no, there's other anime I like yeah. better than this. Mm-hmm. Right now, despite the fact that the show is less than six months old, mm. like it started during the spring season. So like March. Yeah. This is my favorite. One of my favorite shows, period. Wow. Not just anime shows. Wow. Television. It is that good. Wow. Because it does a good job of mixing your uh, wacky your wacky animeness that comes up, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. your slight family slice of life comedy yeah. and your assassin spy work. There's some things that's like, I would describe as there's, there's an episode. I think it's episode five that I would describe as the most absolutely ridiculous thing they could have done in the show. Okay. And yet it's one of the best episodes. Wow. Because even though it is, it's actually filler because it's not in the manga from what I understand. Mm. I've not read that part, but my understanding is that that whole episode is pretty, there's only like two parts of it that are actually in the manga. The rest of it's not, but it just shows you how to what lengths he will go to. Wow. <laughs> to actually get this thing done. Huh? And plus we had it had been a while since we had some nice action shots, <laughs> but anyway, is one of them as a good show. I <laughs> do highly, highly, highly suggest it. Got it. And I'm looking forward to whenever the spring, uh, the, the, uh, the second season starts so we can find out what the dog they hinted at coming up is all about. Though I'll probably have already read that by the time that happens. There's a dog. There is a dog. The, the forgers get a dog. You want to guess his name? Uh, I have no idea bond of course it's bond <laughs> well i mean anya is test subject 007 true but anyway they, so like they lay the subtlety on thick it's like called, marmalade it's called puns but i mean true when you're when you're watching the show it's like yeah that's not very subtle at all i don't care <laughs> i really don't care because this is just so fun and good mm. um also, I watched two episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So yeah. How to, was that? It is better than probably the other, all the other live action Star Trek shows that they have that have started since they you know re- started redoing, remaking shows or making shows for again. Yeah, it's probably the best of the live action shows they've done. Okay, uh, I honestly think uh, I can't put uh, Lower Decks or even uh, what's the other one prodigy mm-hmm. i can't compare put it same because they are so very different yeah but the nice thing about say so picard and discovery mm-hmm. are very serialized shows yeah. like your modern serial sort of things of course and that makes a lot of some sense because it's telling one long story and that's not bad in concept okay but traditionally star mm. trek television shows are not set up that way okay they are episodic hmm 
So I do have one question. Strange New Worlds is episodic. Oh, again. okay. Nice. There is a overarching story, but that, but it only is like necessary. It's like, it, it's one of those things where you could probably watch the episodes in any order. Yeah. But if you watch them in order, yeah. you get a bonus of seeing how everything fits together. I gotcha. So I do have a question. Okay. Does it come with uh, the secret toy? You said cereal. Wrong type of cereal. Oh, darn it. <laughs> S type of cereal, not C type oh, of cereal. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Clarification yes. is everything, people. The only problem I actually have with Strange New Worlds. Right. The show is supposed to take place uh, about 10 years prior to, I think it's about 10 years prior to uh, the original series. Okay. It does it does take place on the Enterprise, and it is a very good make of the Enterprise. Mm. It does make sense that probably there is a refit somewhere between here and TOS, so you know the sets don't look too different, too strange when they make when you make that transition from the 2020s to the 1960s production, right? <laughs> and uh, Pike and Spock uh, do both do a very good job. We got the uh, Anson Mountain. I can't remember who's playing Spock. But Anson okay. Mount does a very good job as yeah. Pike. Um, the problem is every, like over 75% of the cast or the crew of the, the bridge crew mm-hmm. are women. Okay. Now you're probably, there's going to be some people like, Oh, you don't want women on the show. That has nothing to do with it. Okay. I like women on the show. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, there is an inordinate amount on this bridge crew right now that just feels like an odd choice. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying that it's got to, you know, they need to cut some characters. Cause honestly, I don't think they do. Cause they're actually doing some interesting things with some of these characters. Right. And there are some male actors on the show too. But like I said, it's there, there is almost every, almost every bridge crew person they put on there besides uh, is 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 a female which is weird for a show that's got to go into the 1960s and all of a sudden you're her as the only woman on the bridge fair that's really what i'm getting oh okay gotcha gotcha. granted different commanders different structures just different crew that was available at the time true i get that yeah but it just different errors well it just feels weird I, i understand and so it doesn't really bother me while I'm watching the show, but it's just when you're thinking about it, it's like, man, there are a lot of women on this show. Far more than I'm used to, I guess, is yeah. really what it comes down to. It's not a bad thing. No. It's just different. Yeah. Um, other than that, I watched uh, two Rift Tracks live specials. Really? That are on uh, you can go stream right now. One of them is was the... Uh, the summer shorts beach party which is just they just did a bunch of shorts okay uh one of the people they had they had a guest riffer on that episode mm. paul f Tompkins. name sounds really familiar he's the voice of shorty really yeah oh okay. they had him in and he's a comedian too yeah but, i mean he's the he's you know him mostly as the voice of shorty right and so and he actually uh he had a some, uh he was a guest riffer on like two of the shorts and they, and they were pretty funny uh, also, <laughs> I watched a Christmas one, Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Okay. You should see the look on Jacob's face right now. <laughs> Let me explain. Yes. 
the mm-hmm. first hour of that special is 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 just a selection of Christmassy shorts. Yeah, which is all fine and dandy. The second half is a film, technically a film. Okay, that was made by the owner of a series of South Florida theme parks. And he had one called pirates world. That was a very generic theme park. Okay. And one of his mascots was the ice cream bunny. But the thing is the ice cream bunny is barely in the thing. He like shows up at the very end for like 15 minutes. Yeah. The rest of the film, Santa's sleigh is stuck on a beach. And the first half hour, mm-hmm. and his reindeer have left him. Yeah. And his first half hour, Santa's like going, oh, woe is me. How will I ever get out of here? Blah, 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 blah. And so he summons kids from the ether somehow. It's, it's, there's, there's, Santa's apparently invested in dark magic in this universe. Apparently. And summons them to help hit these kids to help him get his sleigh out of the sand. Oh, my gosh. Which makes no sense. And each of these kids brings like these different animals to help him get it out of the sand okay some of them make no sense okay like the uh the chicken chicken's not gonna pull that thing Mm. or the man in the gorilla suit because it wasn't an actual gorilla it was a man in a gorilla suit (laughs) (coughs) it was weird that is Uh, weird but the thing is well that's the first half hour and the last half hour is uh the kids going off and getting the ice cream bunny in an incredibly slow scene of them getting there because they had to show they had to actually do the advertisement for the park in the in the middle of that part of the scene as the ice cream bunny is slowly making his way through there via the theme park oh which makes no sense okay the middle part of that literally longer than the than the the non the ice the the stuff with santa and the Mm -hmm. ice cream bunny is shorter than the movie within a movie of this thing Wow. Where they did this take on Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, in which the guy who sold the magic beans to Jack was a essentially a used car salesman. Hmm. But in this case, a used cow salesman. And uh, the giant had a, while well, he had this gruff, angry voice when he's normally talking, because this, this thing apparently had to be a musical. Yeah. Because of course it was. Of course. When he goes to sing, his part goes, fee fi fo fum I smell the blood of an Englishman. It's like, these voices do not connect. No, they <laughs> don't is, sound like me. I, if it were, if were for the fact that I could see it coming out of the same mouth, I would not think this was the same person doing this. It was a really dumb and goofy short, and the, they, the riffing they did on it was absolutely glorious. Mm. It's probably one of the best ones I've seen. Gotcha. I still need to go back and watch, though, the riff of Twilight. Oh, that's going to be funny. Mm-hmm. They did one of uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special, too. Oh, too funny. Mm-hmm. Too funny. And of course, they've done things like, you know, The Room and mm-hmm. Birdemic, Shock and Terror. Uh, things of that nature. Manos, The Hands of Fate. I'm saying movies you don't know. No, I've never heard of these. Plan 9 from Outer Space? I've heard of it. Okay. Don't hurt yourself. Okay. <laughs> Only be willing to watch. If you're going to watch these movies, watch the Rift Tracks or Mr. Science Theater 3000 versions. Okay. Do not <laughs> watch it without that edge of protection. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, other than that, yeah. 
I have actually been playing a game. Okay. That you might actually be interested in looking up. Okay. What is this? It's called Immortals Phoenix Rising. I've heard of this film. This is game. essentially a uh it's a Breath of the Wild clone. Okay. Kind of a clone of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. But it takes place in ancient Greece. Mm. Or not really in ancient Greece. It takes place in mythological Greece. Mm. Where uh the gods have all been the Greek the Greek gods have all been uh, t- kidnapped or captured by uh not Thanatos. Typhon. Typhon. Okay. They've been captured by Typhon and us the lowly peasant who has only been a shield carrier is now tasked with freeing the gods and becoming the hero of legend. Oh, fun. We, and you get, end up getting like different, like items from like, from different mythology, like uh, Daedalus's wings. Okay. Heracles's bracers. Oh, and they even make, they're actually using the, they say Heracles. They say Heracles. Thank you. They say, uh, I'm going to get to that and, and a, couple, a couple other things. But the thing is the whole game is uh, narrated by Prometheus. Really? Yes. Talking to Zeus. Well, Zeus is heckling Prometheus throughout the mm. whole thing. It's this conversation that's always going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And one of the funny parts, since you enjoyed the fact that they're actually using Heracles' real name. Right. Is Zeus brings up and says, why are you saying his name like that? Because that's his name. Well, it just sounds like a lot of extra work to me. I don't know why you just wouldn't call him her. That is uh, his name. <laughs> <laughs> Something to that effect. It oh, was, it's a funny, funny exchange. And, and there's some interesting little things in there. It's an enjoyable game. And it is fun. And it's actually very pretty. I got you. So let me ask you. And I think it's on PS4. And I know you've got one of those. Okay. Because I sold it to you. You did. <laughs> I'm deeply appreciative of it. So I do have a question for you. Since you asked me where I would rank thor of love and thunder in the marvel cinematic universe mm-hmm. uh pantheon of movies where would Apropos you term okay since greek got since the gods are in that movie right anyways <laughs> where where would you rank um if you were to rank all of the uh, you're you're a huge star trek fan huge. yes 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 so what would be your if it was a series or a movie what will be your your number one, and what will be your last movie on uh, movie or television series? I separate these because uh, the movies and the TV series are doing different things. Okay, so I'm going to tell you right now, my favorite movie is Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, followed immediately by Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Okay, like they're like this close. Okay, but at the end of the day, Six beats out Two by just a hair. Wow. Okay. Bottom of the barrel. This might be a little obvious, but Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Of course. Followed immediately right above that by Star Trek Insurrection. Okay. What about TV shows? TNG is always going to hold a place in my heart. That's Star Trek The Next Generation Mm -hmm. because it's the show I grew up on. Mm -hmm. Uh, The original series does a very good job of what it does. Deep Space Nine and Voyager are there. Enterprise is better than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. And I've gone back and watched some of it. Uh, Discovery, Lower Decks, Picard, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds. I think that's all of them. Discovery? <laughs> I said Discovery. You did say Discovery. Yeah. Uh, trying to figure... I'm trying to think because I've not really placed... 
I think Next Generation does end up being at the top, followed by Deep Space Nine. Okay. Because I think uh, TNG, if not 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 just for the nostalgia, but just because, in my opinion, when I think of what is Star Trek, yeah, it's that series for me. Okay. And so there is some nostalgia built into that immediately. But Deep Space Nine has got much more of a uh, a deeper story than everything else because it's still got that episodic nature to it. I gotcha. But there is a long overarching stories. There are goofy points, of course, but there's also some very serious, very dark, yeah, well-written television that honestly goes unnoticed and underrated to some degree by the general public because people don't want to go back and watch the show. For one thing, it's Star Trek, for not, for, and they think they're going to you know, be missing out on stuff because they've not seen the other two shows. Mm. The other thing is they've still not done an HD remaster of Deep Space Nine, mm. and they need to. But the problem is almost uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager were all filmed mm-hmm. on videotape. Yeah. So that's a little harder to do. Mm-hmm. Unlike Next Generation, that was done on film. So there is that. Uh, worst know. show? <sighs> worst show probably actually is Discovery. Okay. I just don't like the show. Fair enough. That's all it comes down to. Hmm. I just don't like the show. Fair enough. Picard's a little bit better, but I, admittedly, I haven't finished Picard season two, and it's been out for six months. So there's that. Mm. All right. Sorry. Gotcha. Ironically, we're talking about Star Trek, and my idiot cousin sent me sent me a vi- a, a picture of a freight vessel. Named the Kobayashi Maru. Thanks. <laughs> he was. He doesn't know we're recording. Okay. Well, anyway. Anywho. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been watching and playing. All right. Good deal. So Jacob, I have another question. Yes. Well, not another question for you, but I think it's time for this. All right. The Cellcast News with your host Jacob Heron. That's what you're working. Okay. Going to be doing the hard editing. All right. So what do we got in the news? All right. So uh, I am probably going to butcher this man's name. In Kin. Uh, how do you pronounce the, the, I am sorry. I am horrible at pronouncing names, but the uh, creator of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, you're going to ask that. Like, yes, I, 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 am like, I to... know his name even without trying to pronounce it. Me? Um, I know what you, I know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, um, I, I can't pronounce this. Kazuki Takahashi. Thank you. Um, Not a name that was in my mind. I had to look it up. I got you. Yeah, the manga creator behind the global hit Yu-Gi-Oh franchise was found deceased off the coast of Nago Nago Nago. Yeah, Nigo Japan. Uh, the six-year-old's artist body was discovered by. 
Coast Guards on Wednesday following a report uh, by a passing boat. Uh, Takashi, what do you pronounce it? Takahashi. Takahashi. Takahashi uh, was was basically announced uh, deceased uh, mm-hmm. a couple of days earlier. Uh, he was he was assumed he had passed away a couple of days earlier. Well, uh, on July 11th, they determined that the cause of death was the result of drowning with his body sustaining bite marks from a shark. Hmm. So, yeah, he went swimming, apparently, or yeah. snorkeling, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah. And uh, you do take your life at risk when you do things like that. And that is true. It, it's just came time. Yeah, that is true. Well, I, I know I know for certain, like, uh, our pastor won't even get in the ocean. <laughs> oh, that's his. That's just him. Yeah, exactly. He won't jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but he'll that's fly how he, one. That's, that's how he says, like, how he can fly, but he's yeah. afraid of heights. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like, no, he's fine in an airplane because it's perfectly good. He knows how it works. It's like, you're still in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Crap can still happen. <laughs> that is true. But we're not here to talk about we're that. We're not here to talk about that. <laughs> just have, just have fun over about it faster. Hi, Dr. Mike. Um, <laughs> so, in other news, uh, the long-awaited... Uh, Batman the long the long Halloween deluxe edition is finally coming out. Oh boy, yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> the two, yeah. The, where they mix the two into one, which they yeah. should have done in the first place. <laughs> which I'm not surprised. Dallas from Geek Devotions could be fun about that. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sure he's gonna buy it. Oh yeah. Even though we know he wasn't a big big fan of true that because of some different issues. And it's not a direct adaptation of the true graphic novel it's true. based on. All right. So the complete mystery with additional mature content comes to 4K for the first time ever. The rated R full length animated movie will be available on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray combo pack uh, set at ESERSRP at MSRP. No, SRP. Oh, still the suggested retail price. Yes, yeah, just a retail price, $34.99 in the United States for the first time. Uh, it'll be also on Blu-ray for $24.99 and also in Canada uh, starting September 20th. All right, so uh, this is a little bit of, uh, this was interesting. Uh, apparently, there's a new book out called The Disney Revolt, The Great Labor War of Animation's Golden Age. Okay. By, by the animation uh, the animation historian Jake S. Friedman, uh, which basically chronicles the Union War fought by animator Art Bolton and the animation the animated animator strike of 1941. Hmm. Uh, it's available now for purchase. I think you can find it anywhere. But uh, yeah, if you're interested in like you know Walt Disney animation history, it'd be like sound like something good to talk about. So in the last bit of news, uh, there's another turtles film coming out. Of course there is. Yeah. This one's coming to Netflix. Uh, this was a, a uh, I've actually watched a few episodes. This was, wasn't half bad. This is interesting. This was mm-hmm. very, very interesting. Uh, Netflix has, uh, debuted the furiously action packed, fun, funny, and future ish trailer for the turtley this is their phrasing turtley awesome 2d 
feature Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, the Half Shell Heroes Return on April, on August 5th. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> That's their verbatim. I was it. under the impression that the word turtley was stricken from the English language after the failure that was the Master of Disguise. Apparently, <laughs> you don't even know what's see- what I'm talking about. Yes, I'm fully aware that I've seen the film. <laughs> Am I not truly enough for the turtle club? That's a stupid joke, and I thought we killed that word after that point. <laughs> Apparently not. I'm sorry. This actually technically is not turtley as in like a turtle. This is turtley as in totally. Just say totally. <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, rise up, being cute. The Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, will be coming out on April 5th on Netflix. That's based on one of the Nickelodeon shows. Yeah, it's the most recent one. Okay. The one that only got two seasons, and it's getting a full-length movie on Netflix. Okay. And apparently there's going to be another one coming out, I think, either later this year or it's going to be out early next year, uh, written by Seth Rogen. Okay. Where apparently the turtles go to high school. That's going to be interesting. They're just slowly trying to turn turtles into Power Rangers, aren't they? Maybe turtles with attitude. <laughs> they they need the what they need to do. I mean, there's already been a turtle Power Ranger crossover. Yes, just so do it already. <laughs> it's like just animate that, let it go. Anyway, yeah. Either or, so that's all I have in the news. All right, then we need to jump into the spoiler-free section of our review of How to Train Your Dragon 2. Certified (laughs) fresh and spoiler-free. This is my third viewing, I believe, Hmm. of this film. Right. But this is the one that I always forget about, I think. Exactly. Not because it's bad. It's actually a fairly good movie. It is. It's just this, honestly, to some degree, I think the animators forgot it too, because the hidden world shares a lot in common storyline wise with this. It does. Um, Which is the fourth movie. Third. The hidden world's four, isn't it? I think there's only three. I might be mistaken. I thought there were four movies. Let me double check. Continue. Because there was a How to Train Your Dragon 3, and then there was How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World, I thought. But beside the point. Uh, but this was this I, I did enjoy the movie. The animation on this has been greatly increased. Um, and I highly appreciate that. Uh, they do a lot of good character moments throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you've seen the first How to Train Your Dragon... Mm-hmm. And you're wondering if you should watch the second. That is a stupid question. Yes. Go watch it. It's, it's not one, three. It's one, two, three. And four. And there's no fourth. There's got to be a fourth. There's not a fourth film. Because when I, I just, bought the Blu-ray, it came with three films. And the fourth one was just in theaters. What you're what you're talking about. I believe. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm no, saying no, no. I may be confused. Well, I'm doing the research. Apparently, there's. That release was came with, I think, a uh, like the tr- the uh, the opening the the first few episodes of one of the series, 
I think he was like writers of Burke. Maybe so. Yeah. Cause I know that's the one that takes us between one and two because, uh, certain characters still alive. Yeah. In that show. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just, I could have sworn there was actually four movies. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I'm trying my, to look. I, I was, I was, I was honestly in the exact same boat as you. I was like, is there four movies? No, there's three. I could have sworn there was four, but I can't find a listing on the, no, the franchise. There's three. There, but there, anyway. there are currently three. How to train yeah, I enjoyed the movie. And if you're, if you have any interest in the franchise, go watch it. It yeah. just goes without saying. Yeah. What are your thoughts? My thoughts on this movie. It's a very well done movie. It's a, it is a animation wise step above the, the first film. Like animation wise, they just, they step up their game and they just own it. It's so well done. Animation wise, just like from all A, B, C, D mm-hmm. it all the way into the, you know, Z it's just, it's a good film. Um, I love where how they mature the characters and the whole bit. There's a lot of this really, really good storytelling in this movie. And uh, yeah, highly recommend it. If you haven't watched it, watch two, watch three. There is no four currently. I can tell you why I thought that, because I was looking that up while you were talking. What? I With my mind, I was thinking there was a How to Train Your Dragon 3D mm. and a How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World No Number. Oh, Okay. Gotcha, but gotcha. 3D and The Hidden World are the same movie. Yes. Yeah. They advertised one as 3D, except they were all put out in 3D because that's how we were doing things since Pandora came out. Mm-hmm. Pandora. That is not the name of that show. Avatar. Avatar. Not The Last Airbender. But that movie's coming out, I think, the end of this year. I yeah. Think. That's one I think we do need to double ch- talk about. Avatar? If Avatar is about covering in case hmm. Avatar is one of those that's like right on the line. Oh, yeah. Between hybrid and not and uh, hybrid animated film and, and just a live action film. Yeah, with I, w- I would agree with you. But then it's I, you have to go back and watch Avatar. You don't like Avatar? Uh, I only you saw don't it like the- Dances with Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I have not seen that film since uh, theaters. Uh, now I'm now <laughs> now I got Smurfs in my head. I'm now, ex- I'm now expecting <laughs> a giant cat to be attacking. <laughs> anyway, I, I gotta sh- I gotta show you something when we get off too, because that reminded me of something else. Oh my! But gosh. anyway, but yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed this film. It's worth it's definitely worth a watch. Um, and yeah, it's relatively available. Um, but yeah. Watch be like watch one, watch two, and definitely watch three. Yes, uh, I'm actually kind of surprised it took us this long, four years, uh-huh. to get to the second movie. Right, and it wasn't you who put the second movie on it the list. You, even though you put the first one on the I list, I did. It was me because you never would put it back on there. I still don't know why. I didn't think about it. I just because there, there, and again, literally the main in my reason, defense, the main reason I put it on is like. I went back and looked and said, oh, we haven't, we have so many of these series we've not gone back and finished. Mm-hmm. I put some of these on the list. Yeah. Okay. In, in my defense, because you said it earlier, my, my thought was because two and three as they're movies, very alike. they're very alike. Yeah. And so like watching this film be like, have I seen, I know I've seen this film, but I'm blending two and three together. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Go watch it. It's good. It's good. Movie. All right. 
Well, then why don't you join us on the other side of the bumpers and we will get to spoiling this thing. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Josh Adams, Ashley Cronin Bitter. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. Geek Devotions is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. They produce a weekly geek culture-infused devotional, their podcast, Com Talk, another podcast where they talk about bad movies called Bottom Shelf, and another podcast where they read books, allegedly. Uh, and they and they are written articles, all designed to encourage and challenge people in the geek community, bridging the gap between their faith and their geekdoms. Find all their content at geekdevotions.com. This show is a part of Pop Americana. For more great shows like this one, please check the link in the episode description. Do you like Star Wars? I don't just mean the original trilogy. Along with that, I mean the prequels, the sequels, the anthologies, the animated shows, and of course... <laughs> Who doesn't like Baby Yoda? Well, if you've been in the fandom for any length of time, you know how toxic the fandom can get. And if you'd like to be able to discuss a galaxy far, far away in a much more positive light, might I suggest searching out The Outer Rim, a Facebook group dedicated to all Star Wars, and check out their YouTube channel, which you can easily find at Pop Americana, which the podcast you're currently listening to is also a part of. To find that and more, check out the link in the description. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie How to Train Your Dragon 2. Listener discretion is advised. They should have put a subtitle on this. I'm just saying. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2 was written and directed by Dean Dubois, who is also the writer for Lilo and Stitch. Hmm. It is based on the book series by Cressidia Cowell. Cast includes Jay Baruchel as Hiccup, and in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, that television, that, that movie, the live action yeah. movie, he played Dave. Okay. I don't know who Dave is because I've not watched that. Me either. Uh, Kate Blanchett is the voice of Valka, mm-hmm. and uh, she was Gladril on Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Gerard Butler was Stoic, the Vast, the vast. <laughs> and he was King Leonidas in 300. This is Sparta! <laughs> Craig Ferguson was the voice of Gobber, and he was the host of the Late Late Show from 2005 to 2015. Hmm. America Ferreira was the voice of Astrid, and she was the voice of Betty Suarez in Ugly Betty. Hmm. That's true. I say the voice. She played Ugly Betty. She did play Ugly Betty. Jonah Hill played Snoutlout, and he was Green Lantern in the Lego Batman movie, and I believe the Lego movie also. Really? Mm-hmm. I think it, uh, if we're talking about the like the the, the animated movies, yes, uh, I the think Lego the, animated movies. Okay, Lego animated movies. Okay, that's different. Yeah, the Lego movie and the Lego Batman movie. Okay, good deal. Just yeah. clarification. Understandable. Uh, Christopher Mintz, uh, uh, sorry, Christopher Mintz Place was the voice of Fish Legs. Mm. And he was King Gristle in Trolls. Mm. T- Another movie we reviewed. T.J. Miller 
was the voice of Tough Nut, and he is Fred in Big Hero 6. Oh. Gotcha. <laughs> I knew you'd get that. Gotcha. Kristen Wiig was the voice of Rough Nut, and she is Lucy in the Despicable Me franchise. Wait a minute. What, what, what actress? Kristen Wiig. Oh, Kristen Wiig. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That that from that other film that we were talking about earlier. Yes. <laughs> Jaiman Honsu was the voice of Drago, and he was Korath in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I thought I recognized him from something. Kit Harrington was the voice of Eret, mm-hmm. son of Eret. And he was Dane Whitman in Eternals. Yeah, and also he was in Game of Thrones? Yeah, but I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I think he was Jon Snow. He played Jon Snow. There's a couple of jokes about that later on. (laughs) I found out. Uh. Kyron Elliott was the voice of Horik the Haggard. And in the video games, Lord of the Rings, Aragon's Quest, and Lego Lord of the Rings, he was the voice of Pippin. Ah. Philip McGrade was the voice of Starkard. And he played a character named Professor Michael McGinty in Behind the Reality Curtain, which was about the only thing I could find for him. Hmm. Andrew Abelson voiced Ugg. Lovely name. Yeah, Ugg. And he was Derek Tanner in Disney's Kicking It. Okay. I don't know what they were kicking, but apparently hmm. it was it. <laughs> Gideon Emery was the voice of Teeny. And he played Anatoly, Rank- Anatoly Rankikov. Russian names in uh, Daredevil, the Netflix Daredevil. Oh, okay. I still need to watch all that. Simon Cassiandes <clears throat> was the voice of No Name. Yes, that was the character's name. No, no Name. name. Oh, I yeah. even saw it in the subtitles. Huh. He's one of uh, Eret, son of Eret's uh, guys on goons on the boat. Oh, okay. Uh, he was Yusef in Quantum of Solace mm. and performing the voice of toothless was randy thorne who was also the voice of sandy in the crudes i believe that's the giant cat yeah that is sandy mm-hmm. one of the best cats ever yes kingdom hearts connections i think you can guess one of them at uh. least one of them yeah because you i honestly think you should be able to guess two of them but i'm only assuming you've got one of them since i've already mentioned it yeah you mentioned that he was in he, he played the uh the uh Crap. He played. I know what he played. He was in Big Hero 6. Yes. He was Fred in Big Hero 6. Fred. (laughs) It was uh, TJ Miller. TJ Miller. Okay. Who uh, was tough not here, but Fred in Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. Reprising his role. Okay. Gideon Emery, who was teeny here, was additional voices in Kingdom Hearts 3. But Chris Sanders was executive producer on this movie. Oh. And he's the voice of Stitch in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> he wasn't. He did not write the show. He did not do the writing or the directing on this one. He yeah. was just executive producer. Oh, okay. Because you know, he did the first one. So he yeah. has at least some stake in the yeah. franchise. So yeah, I thought you'd appreciate nice. that one. Nice. Uh, what do we got in info and stuff? All right. So info and stuff. Uh, an IMDB has a 7.8 out of 10. It's available to watch on Netflix if you have Netflix. Uh, production was by DreamWorks Animation, distributed by 20th Century Fox, now 20th Century Studios. 
uh release date was it was actually the only one of the dragon series to be released by 20th century fox really because the first one was done by paramount true third one by universal oh okay that's gotta be fun to put together in a box set (laughs) except the reason they can get away with it is because uh all of them are owned by dreamworks not by fox or it's just a distributor paramount it was just the people who did the distribution at that time and yeah. had the and get their logo at the front of it, yeah, were Paramount and Fox. But the movies were owned by DreamWorks, and so now they're owned by since DreamWorks is now owned by uh, Universal, they're now yeah. owned by Universal. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So it was released. Uh, it was first released at the Can 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 Canton Film Festival. Cans. Cannes Film Festival. Thank you. I can't. Say. I about to say Canton, Texas does not have a no, film festival. No, Cannes. Cannes Film Festival on May 16th, 2014. And it was released in June 13th the same year in the United States. And on July 4th in the UK. Box office. It had an estimated budget of $145 million. Uh, its opening weekend was a little low. Uh, for the U.S. and Canada for $49.5 million on June 15th of that same year. Uh, its gross for the U.S. was $177 million and a lot of change. Uh, its worldwide gross was $621.5 million. So going into home release, there's quite a bit of stuff about home release. So How to Train Your Dragon 2 was released digitally on October 21st, 2014, and it was subsequently released on DVD 3D Blu-ray. Remember, this was 2014. Yeah. And because everything was being distributed into, you know, 3D (laughs) Blu-ray. Thankfully, this movie does not fall into the 3D trap. True. Uh, And also on regular Blu-ray on November 11th. The Blu-ray and digital release were accompanied with the new short Dawn of the Dragon Riders in 2014. And yes, that was available at Walmarts, available at your local Walmarts at the time as of February 2015. uh, 7.5 million home home entertainment units have been sold worldwide. On June 22nd, 2019, Universal Picture Home Entertainment released a 4k uk 4k ultra hd blu-ray version of how to train your dragon 2 alongside its predecessor how to train your dragon making them the first um catalog dreamwork films to be released on that format so going into sequels obviously because did we, we already had this discussion? There's only one sequel. Yeah, there's only one sequel. Movie, anyway. I don't know yeah. if there was a TV show in between. No, there's a ton of TV series. I know there's a lot it's of TV DreamWorks. <laughs> in their Nickelodeon TV series, of all things. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, so the third and final film of the trilogy, third and final, How to Train Your Dragon. So far. Yeah, The Hidden World, because you never know. It is DreamWorks. Yeah. <laughs> they they like to dry, they like to drive their series into the ground. <laughs> Well, or is that just, or is that Lumination? We, no, it's DreamWorks because let's face it, Shrek Four was supposed to be the final one, and we know there's another one coming. Mm-hmm. That's at least a, a reboot. At Isn't least a reboot. Yeah, it's a reboot. 
it's at least it's better than at least it redeemed itself because three was just garbage. <laughs> we'll get there when, when we, we get, get there. there. But uh, okay, this film was originally scheduled to be released on June seventeenth, two thousand sixteen, but on September of the same year, Dreamworks had moved the film to June nineteenth or Ju- yeah June. So they moved it forward. They moved it back to June 9th, 2017. But then the, where I, where I got all this stuff be like, the dates are so confusing. So I'm trying to discern what's really going on here. It got pushed. It got delayed a number of times. It got really trying so, to so many times. So eventually um, what? Yeah. So originally it was released in 2016 and then eventually it got so from 2016 to 2019, when it finally was released, mm-hmm. uh, it was released. Uh, yeah, it was released on February 22nd, 2019. Right. And uh, yeah, that's about it. This movie got pushed. Now, granted, this was the third not movie, not this one. Yeah, the third movie was pushed back further and further and further and further and further or pushed forward in time so many times not be like granted this was 2016 to 2019 this wasn't even during the pandemic yeah this was a four-year delay but i suspect there are a lot of technological advances occurred during that time oh also yeah with their pipeline true so yeah there were technological advances that go into this one which we'll be talking about in a second true yeah so yes there is a sequel how to train your dragon the hidden world there is no fourth film as of as of this day. A lot of Christmas specials, though, for some a reason. A lot of Christmas specials. A lot of shorts. Yeah. A lot of TV shows. They. This is at the time when DreamWorks had learned how to monetize their IP mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of the movie theater. True. All right. Anyway, you ready for the lot. summary? Yes. All right. Five years after the Viking villagers of Burke and the dragons made peace, they lived together in harmony. Hiccup and his dragon, Toothless, the Night Fury, discover and map unexplored lands. Now 20 years old, he is being pressed by his father, Stoic the Vast, to succeed him as chieftain, although Hiccup feels unsure he is ready. While investigating a burnt forest, Hiccup and Astra discover the remains of a fort encased in ice and meet a group of dragon trappers. Hmm. Their leader, Eret, attempts to capture their dragons for their employer, Drago Bloodfist, who plots to capture and enslave all dragons into becoming his soldiers. Hiccup and Astrid escape and warn Stoic about Drago. Stoic fortifies Burke to to prepare for battle. Hiccup, however, refuses to believe war is inevitable and flies off to talk to Drago. Stoic stops him, explaining that he once met Drago at a gathering of chieftains where Drago had offered them protection from dragons if they pledged to serve him. When they laughed it off as a joke, he had his dragons attack them while Stoic, with Stoic being the sole survivor. Undeterred, Hiccup flies off with Toothless in search of Drago to try and reason with him. They instead meet a mysterious dragon rider who is revealed to be Hiccup's long-lost mother, Valka. She explains that she, like her son, could not bring herself to kill dragons. After being carried off during a dragon raid, she spent 20 years rescuing dragons from Drago and bringing them to an island nest created off of, out of ice by a gigantic ice-spewing alpha dragon called a Bewilderbeast, which is able to control smaller dragons by emitting hypnotic sound waves. Stoic and his lieutenant Gobber track Hiccup to the nest while Stoic discovers his wife is alive. Meanwhile, Astrid and the other riders 
force Eret to lead them to Drago, who captures them and their dragons, and learning of Burke's dragons, sends his armada to attack the dragon nest. He also attempts to have Eret executed, but Astrid's dragon Stormfly saves him. A grateful Eret later helps her and the others escape. At the nest, a battle ensues between the dragon riders, Falca's dragons, and Drago's armada, during which Drago reveals he has his own bewilder beast to challenge the alpha. The two colossal dragons fight, ending with Drago's bewilder beast killing its rival and becoming the new alpha. Drago's bewilder beast seizes control of the adult dragons. Hiccup tries to persuade Drago to end the violence, but Drago orders his bewilder beast to have Toothless kill him. The hypnotized Toothless fires a plasma bolt towards Hiccup, but Stoic pushes him out of the way and is killed instead. The Bewilder Beast momentarily relinquishes control of Toothless, but Hiccup drives Toothless away in a fit of despair over his father's death. Drago maroons Hiccup and the others on the island and rights Toothless again under the control of the Bewilder Beast to lead his army to conquer Burke. Stoic is given a Viking funeral, and Hiccup, now having lost both his father and Dragon, is unsure what to do. Falca encouragingly tells him he alone can unite humans and dragons. Inspired by her words and his father's, Hiccup and his allies return to Burke to stop Drago by riding the baby dragons, which are immune to the Bewilder Beast's control. Back at Burke, they find that Drago has attacked the village and taken control of its dragons. With a heartfelt apology, Hiccup frees Toothless from the Bewilder Beast's control, much to Drago's surprise. Hiccup and Toothless confront Drago, but the Bewilder Beast encases them in ice. However, Toothless blasts away the ice and enters a glowing, super-powered state, Enraged that the Bewilderbeast tried to hurt Hiccup, Toothless then challenges the Bewilderbeast to protect his rider, shooting it in the face, repeatedly, which breaks its control over the other dragons who side with Toothless as the new Alpha. All the dragons repeatedly fire at the Bewilderbeast until Toothless fires a final massive blast, breaking its left tusk. Defeated, the Bewilderbeast retreats with Drago on his back. The Vikings and dragons celebrate their victory, and Hiccup is made chieftain of Burke while all the dragons from both Burke and Valka Sanctuary bow before Toothless as their new king. Afterwards, Burke undergoes repairs with Hiccup, feeling certain that its dragons can defend it. Getting into the trivia for this, Dean Dubois asked Kate Blanchett to play the role of Valka during the 2011 award season where How to Train Your Dragon was being campaigned for Academy Award recognition. I told her that I had written the part for her in How to Train Your Dragon 2, and she smiled, saying that the original movie was a big hit in her household with her three boys, and said Dubois, I told her about the character, and I could see it blossoming in her mind. Dubois wanted, to, wanted Blanchett to play Valka because he knew she would strike the right balance of rich and commanding, mixed with a sense of regret and vulnerability that the part called for. Hmm. Jaiman Hansu would often do vocal exercises to prepare for his voice acting. One of these was a loud, terrible scream. Dean Dubois liked it so much that he decided to use his dragon's cry to summon the dragons. Mm. The first, this is the first DreamWorks animation film to use its new animation and lighting software through the entire production. Programs named Primo and Torch will allow mu allows much more subtlety in facial animation. The sense of fat, jiggle, loose skin, the sensation of skin moving over muscle instead of masses moving together. Dean Dubois said, I think the film looks a lot better than the first. In addition, our film is the first to showcase a whole new generation of software that has been in development at DreamWorks called Apollo. In past versions, if you wanted to do something as simple as arch and eyebrow, you would have to select the eyebrow from a menu and input what degree of arch you would want. 
enter that numerical amount and wait for that to render. Whereas the new system allows you to work in a much more intuitive way using a stylus and touch sensitive Cintiq monitor to grab and manipulate the characters, which now render in real time. It allows animators to go back to working with their hands. Hmm. Chris Sanders, co-writer and co-director of How to Train Your Dragon, and Dean Dubois collaborator since Lilo and Stitch, did not write or direct the sequel due to his involvement with the Croods, although he did help executive produce How to Train Your Dragon 2. This is the only film in the How to Train Your Dragon series to be distributed by 20th Century Fox since the end of DreamWorks Animation's deal with Paramount Pictures in 2012 and with Universal taking over in 2018, a year before the third film's release. Volca was originally written as a villain. Really? But this idea was dropped in later drafts. Also, Drago was intended to appear in the third film, How to Train Your Dragon the Hidden World, but was bumped up to the second one. Hmm. That actually kind of explains some things. It does. Uh, originally, Gobber was the one who was meant to be killed by the brainwashed Toothless. But when Guillermo del Toro read the draft, he suggested that Stoic should be killed instead as it would have a better impact. Hmm. A bigger impact, not a better one. It was a better one. But anyway. Yeah. So, Jacob, what is your first like? The animation of this movie. Oh, yes. Feel like you're talking about animation. You're talking lighting. You're talking rigging. You're talking shadows. This like, film is like leagues above what the original oh, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon did. Yes. Agreed. Just like just leaps and bounds. Like just like the the way they did texture, the way they did lighting rigs the, the position the position of lighting just like just amazing absolutely stunning animation for a movie that came out in 2014 mm-hmm. and it's it's a breathtaking film from us from a cinematic and animation style animation in general incredible film mm-hmm. and it's like every frame i'm like not every frame but like every scene, it's like, wow, they did this with lighting. They did this with shadow. They did this with just like, uh, now granted, there's some things here and there. I'm going to get into dislikes, but overall animation looks fantastic in this movie. That's my number one. Jumping on that same boat. Cause this is going to be my number one. Also, this is one of the first DreamWorks films that actually used Oc- the lighting style of ocular occlusion, mm. which that is a hard phrase to say, right? <laughs> but basically, it'll it's that it allows them to actually instead of baking the light into the animation, like you know stuff mm. like Toy Story and all yeah. that had to do, where you actually did the lighting by changing the color of the texture of the the model. Yeah, what they actually do is they set a light source. They place that light source in the scene and then the software traces all the light rays Hmm. from that light source to the objects. And then based on properties of those objects, it reflects the light back in the way that it would be reflected back in reality. Wow. That's why you see all those ice scenes Mm -hmm. and they look absolutely stunning because the light is changing how it, how it's uh yeah how it's being presented based on how much ice mm-hmm. that little light ray is having to go through before we get to see it yeah uh it's why that the the dark the the a lot of the characters like when they're in the darker scenes mm-hmm. it is 
so dark, but I mean, you can still see little packets of light, mm-hmm. but they're done so naturally. You never have this whole artificial bloom effect that you know, you know is not real, Yeah, but it's, it, you get all these nice shots and it gives you such beautiful colors. I mean, you get right down to it, the, you can tell the, even though this, these are, possibly just slightly upgraded models mm-hmm. for toothless and our our main dragons mm-hmm. and you can you can kind of tell that they're they they're they're not they now have scales mm-hmm. and they're not just colored masses with scale textures yeah and it, the light bounces off of them in a at a in a more natural way that just mm-hmm. makes the dragons look gorgeous even when they're doing such nasty things <laughs> Um, you know that doesn't get out right exactly uh it's just the 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 uh a lot of it for me is the lighting but there is a lot of because uh you know you don't have purely muscular stuff here because it's not uh we we do have more stylized character designs here than yeah sure than elsewhere but even that that movement just seems natural based on the, on the proportions that we're seeing yeah the water for Good night. The water is yes. beautiful in this. I mean, I say it's beautiful. It looks like what you assume the frozen North's water looks like. Yeah, it looks like but water. But it looks like water. It doesn't look like a a cloth texture, <laughs> which a lot of times, especially in the older movies, water uh, looks like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, you know, crystal clear, but none of the waters around Norway? Is that where the Vikings are? Or is that where the Vikings yeah, are Norway. around? None of the waters around there are going to look like that either. They're going to look cold, drank, dank, and dreary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, oh, and and the last one I'll point out is when uh, Toothless powers up. Oh, yeah. And he gets that gl- purple glow from inside. It's like, oh, I don't know what y'all had to do to make this work, but keep at it yes <laughs> this is beautiful i don't know how you pulled that off because that is not reflected light yeah that they showed there that is projected light mm-hmm. coming out of this dragon that technically the material should not be allowing for and yet they pulled it off yeah so it's like i would love to know i, I i'd like to see someone show me how they did that and it could just be they's like oh there's just a purple light source coming from inside the dragon and it's bright enough that it's shining through his muscles mm-hmm. i'm fine with that if that's yeah. all it is but Good night. The whole thing is absolute. This whole movie is absolutely gorgeous from top to bottom. Agreed. As much as the first one is so good, mm-hmm. it is missing the polish and the uh, and the the beauty that the, the second two movies have. Yeah, and you can. This one is just that's why this. It's part of the reason this movie is leaps and bounds better visually yeah. than the first one. I agree with you on that. I think the story might be better in the first one, but mm. anyway, right. So what's your second like? My second like kind of deals with the story. Kind of deals mm-hmm. with the story that you have growth with characters. It's not like you have in like most films be like this movie takes like five years, five years after your original and characters have grown. They have developed as people. Mm-hmm. You have a uh, hiccup who went from this scrawny little kid to uh, a 20 year old man who has be like he's still trying to figure out what he wants to do in life but you find a character who is who has grown and matured and it's not this 
be like a movie says, oh, it's five years later, but the character has not grown at all. Mm-hmm. Where in this movie, he has. Yeah, all like, the characters All the grown. characters have grown. He actually looks like an adult. He doesn't yeah. look like the scrawny kid he was in the first yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. None of them look like the scrawny kids they were in the first one. Yeah, exactly. I say that knowing Snoutlout was never scrawny. True. <laughs> but it's 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 this the, the, the attention to detail when it comes to your characters and having them grow as characters because you have in so many cases where uh in other films where be like oh it's set two years in the future but it's the exact same character there's no growth or mm-hmm. the, or uh or visual re- growth to or the they reverse the character from a character standpoint to what they were before the first movie yeah exactly ralph continue yeah I, I i agree with you on that completely agree <laughs> yeah go listen to our go uh, listen to ralph uh, breaks the, the internet, internet and yeah. find out why vanellope went from uh, my favorite disney princess to my most hated disney character yeah when you when you say you're going turbo in the first one you have a character go turbo and it's completely yeah it's yeah, you it's, break your it's, rules it's basically just kind of like glossed over anyway anyways we're not here to talk about ralph breaks the internet again we're here to talk about that. It's very easy to get off on that subject because that yeah. still annoys us. <laughs> yes, it does. It very much still annoys the two of us. Um, so, yeah, be like you have character growth. You have like development as a character model. And it's just like, whoa. Because me, like the, the, there again, the, the, the animation with lighting and rigging, whatever. And just how this is done. Be like how they, I'm still blown away how they, like animation wise made um uh hiccup look older he acts older mm-hmm. and he's still not the same goofy kid it's like oh shucks y'all kind of character but he's I'm, grown and he's matured and i really enjoy that as a character you know to watch a character grow and not simply oh it's five years later but it's the same character yeah he's grown and matured and he's got a lot more tech which is cool mm-hmm so yeah, that's my, my second like the the growth of characters. What's your second like? This is a kaiju movie. Oh yeah, of and course. I don't just mean the thousands and thousands of on-screen mm. dragons, which dragons are technically kaiju. They are. I'm talking. It's also the fact that we've got two mountains sized <laughs> dragons right that actually feel like they have weight mm-hmm. there's a part of me that thinks that the dragons that we see all, all the other dragons are actually moving a bit too fast for their size mm. toothless is one of the few i don't think that with because he is designed to be a stealth bomber yeah he's designed to be essentially very fast and quick mm-hmm. but so the many of the theory. others do, don't feel uh, like they're they they have the, the right weight for their size but yeah it's part of the charm i kind of don't worry about that yeah they could have really screwed that up if they'd have kept it at that that thing with the alphas but the alphas actually do feel like they have weight behind their movements mm-hmm. like it's actually hard for them to move because they're so huge well and living creature we know that uh you can't really get like uh, creatures much bigger than like say uh uh 
there's there's a certain size limit yeah to how big creatures can get under their yeah. current laws of physics yeah agreed that dragons like those big two would definitely not not mm-hmm. be accurate for but they feel like they are there and that they're huge and that you would not want to get I mean, they're they're physically intimidating to everybody not just oh, yeah. the ones that they're out that they're uh the dragons that they can hypnotically control yeah which i don't know if the hypnotic thing hip, hip, hypnosis was really a necessary thing but we'll get to that later yeah um but the fact that they they they, they feel humongous they've got these they both have this great ice spewing ability mm. that just makes you, you almost feel cold watching them do that yeah as they as a as as they spew that out um and they are very intimidating you mm-hmm. get the feeling like uh there's a there's a line from the chronicles of narnia where uh they where one of the kids asks i think the beavers mm. uh it you know seeing Aslan for the first time or mm. hearing about Aslan for yeah. the first time, they say, is he safe? He says, no, he's not safe, but he's good. Yeah. That's kind of the feeling I get at least around the, the white, the, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the main alpha, the good alpha. Yeah. When it's not under the control of goober, mm-hmm. uh, he's not safe. He will protect his kind, but he's good. Yeah. Unlike he's, the he's other one, that's just, that's just evil. Yeah. <laughs> true so i mean yeah it's i i kind of it gives it almost gives that feeling not just of uh that this is a huge dragon that this is actually a dragon god yeah lower case g yeah lower case g yeah that's kind of the the feel of it and i appreciate that it's there okay what's your third like my third like is the gravitas that they they went and did a certain action, which I applaud because you don't see this a lot. Mm-hmm. You have a character who dies and they stay dead, or as yes. as, as in stoic, be like he goes in and this is, throws himself. In this front. is my third like, also by the yeah. way. Yeah. So the idea that he gets hit by this massive blast from Toothless and he doesn't move. Be like, yeah, he, it, he just, just dies. He's just right there. He's just dead like that. Mm-hmm. You don't get this long, drawn out, dramatic death scene. It's just like, no, he's dead. Yeah. He's just gone. You don't even get to tell him goodbye at all. Yeah. He saved you and now he's gone. Yeah. And, and is, that, that's poignant. And it hits because you don't say, I knew it was coming because yeah. I'd seen the movie before. Yeah. But while you're watching it, you don't know that's coming. No, you don't. You just think, okay, we're, we got this big army. Sure, there's going to be a fighting and attack and, and stuff. And yeah, technically people are going to die, but they're never going to show that on screen because this is a DreamWorks Kids movie. Yeah. they. And admittedly, you don't see the hit. No, you don't. They cut away. They cut away right at the last moment, probably because, you know, it's a dream. It's a kid's movie. Yeah. But he gets hit and he stays dead and hiccups reaction oh yeah even to lashing out at toothless who oh yeah he knows it wasn't his fault yeah that he uh that, that he attacked he was gonna that toothless was gonna attack him and hit his father mm-hmm. he knows it wasn't his fault because he was under he was 
under the control of the, the alpha that told him mm-hmm. to do that. But it doesn't matter. He does not. He he can't really stand to be with him at that moment. Yeah, it's it's that it's that idea. Of like you're a complete grief. Right. Something just happened. You be like you're still trying to process something. And, and admittedly, I love how toothless realizes what he's done. Oh yeah. He's immediately trying to apologize for it in, in his way. Yeah. And he and you can see that emotion in toothless's face. Oh yeah. That's that's the emotion. This movie that's is one of the things I don't think we got a chance to talk about. Any of no. our likes is the fact that not just toothless, but every dragon has emotional range. Oh yeah, but you can definitely see it in this moment where toothless realizes that he just killed uh, Hiccup's dad. Yeah, and he's trying. He's he's almost trying to help. Trying to help. It's like maybe, maybe we can do something. And toothless just la- a Hiccup lashes out at him. Yeah. And Toothless is noticeably hurt, mm-hmm. which just kind of proves that these are not just dumb animals. No, they're they not. are actually intelligent thinking beings. Yeah. Um. So, and I appreciate they went to that much trouble mm-hmm. to to make it, and it's a poignant death scene all the way to the actual funeral. Oh yeah, because this is a kids' movie. Yeah, I've said that a couple times. You I know, have. but. There is a general thought in Hollywood that kids can't stand uh, sad, slow-moving scenes. Yeah, like the kind of of uh, the Stoics' funeral, right? But they didn't shy away from it. They no, they didn't. They went as far as I understand about how Viking funerals are supposed to go. Yeah, they showed the whole thing. They did even actually mentioning. Uh, a lot of the Norse mythology uh, stuff about afterlife and stuff with Valhalla and all yeah. that stuff. So I, I appreciate they actually yeah. were, did all that. Yeah. And plus they actually showed the Viking funeral with the ship catching on fire as it yeah. went out to sea. Mm-hmm. I appreciate Yeah. They, they I did a good I, job yeah. with it. Oh, I completely agree. And you, you put, you touched on something about toothless and the way he behaved. Mm-hmm. I, I loved how in the first one, they kind of alluded to this, but in the, this this movie in particular, they they bring in more of the 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 dog like tendencies that they have in Toothless and a lot of the right. other more of this you know this pack mentality mm-hmm. and how Toothless he acts like a dog yeah like from the point where he's be like he knows be like he's done something wrong so he cows like a dog mm-hmm. but when he's trying to help be like he you know goes over to the hand trying to do trying to get a reaction to it yeah because you see that in dogs mm-hmm. and it's just very well done like great we don't know what it, the dragons ever exist probably not but to kind of give that 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 characteristic of a dog which well, yeah the, is dogs are man's first friends I, and this movie dragons are man's first friend when you so have you give a, them that yeah, characteristics when you have a creature in which we have no idea how they t- reacted how they would act, right because they're mythical it makes a lot of sense to take a creature's actions and movements and psychology that we do know like mm-hmm. dogs mm-hmm. to uh to show it off i mean yeah you couldn't use cats for this oh no that'd be weird <laughs> that would that just would not work but dog makes perfect sense because they're very dog-like in how they are set up mm-hmm. it, it makes sense it makes it easier for them to get to work their way into uh burkean society yeah exactly which actually makes the third movie all that more sad at the end true but we'll get there when we get there agreed but yeah that was also my third like i got you so are you ready for dislikes yeah or do you got more to say 
Uh, no, they like this is a very well done movie. All right, let's jump into our dislikes. My first dislike. I mentioned it earlier, and now I can't remember what it is. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Did you hate it when that happens? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I feel like an idiot because I didn't write these down. Again. It happens. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Why you're thinking about yeah, it? I'll, I'll go ahead and give you give, give, give your dislike. So there's very early on. I saw. I noticed this early on. So when it's primarily when we're talking about uh, Astrid mm-hmm. and uh, nothing against the character Astrid. I, the character is great. I love the character. It's there's certain scenes when the lighting with like Grant, the lighting in this movie is fantastic. But for some reason, when it comes to the character of Astrid, be like in certain scenes, it looks like it's just flat. Like there's no sur- surface, uh, like the roundness of the face or anything. It just looked like the, there's no lighting on the figure. It looks like it's a flat, just flat figure. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's a little odd. So there again, it's a nitpick, but it's like in certain scenes very early on, apparently they're still adjusting to the new rigging. Yeah. Where it's it, always a learning curve with, there's this always stuff, a learning stuff. curve. And it looks like very early on. It's like definitely when you're dealing with Astro, because they gave so much detail to hiccup and it's just like you had, like a little light source, but there was no real like curvature to her face. Mm-hmm. So it looked like it was flat in, yeah. in in some scenes, but there again, early on and there again, it's a nitpick. Did you figure out yours? I, I thought of one of them at least. Uh, the character of Drago mm-hmm. as our film's villain, they at least do give at least a quick very quick mention of mm-hmm. why he hates dragons. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, he's essentially the anti, uh, hiccup, the anti hiccup. Mm-hmm. In some ways, cause he's lost, he, he lost an, a, a, a limb mm-hmm. to them. He, not that hiccup knew this, didn't re- know, didn't know his mother was still alive at the time, mm-hmm. but he, this guy had lost his family. Mm-hmm. Them. But the thing is it's mentioned so quickly mm-hmm. and it's glossed over so much after that point after the point where they mentioned it yeah that it's he doesn't he feels like a one note villain it's like he's the villain because we needed a villain and plus they never explain even with the knowledge that yeah. you know he's he hates dragons they never mention why if he hates dragons so much why is he conquering dragons yeah well what, I, I, what is his end game for all these dragons other than he's trying to conquer all the villages yeah what's he gonna do with the dragons once he conquers all of them yeah i think even even hiccup brings up this point it's like it's like be like yeah you're just a bully that's all you be like you right just, what you just want to be like you use dragons to conquer people and the and the, the biggest issue i have with that is have he's a weak villain and yeah. in terms of his motivation, in terms yeah. of story, I'm not saying, I, th- I think we've meant brought this up a lot of times before, yeah. but I'm not saying that you can't just have a villain who's evil for evil's sake. Right. But when you have a character, you are tr- a villain that you're trying to humanize, but you barely humanize them. Yeah. So they feel it, they are very watered down, mm-hmm. both as a humanized villain and as an evil for evil sake villain. Right you weaken the villain overall, mm-hmm. which then raises, 
has the problem that because it raises the issue that you know a good villain makes their it their heroes more heroic Mm -hmm. the strength of your hero is directly proportional to the strength of your villain true so if your villain is weak it doesn't matter what uh hiccup overcame in the first movie Mm -hmm. in this movie hiccup is relatively weak in comparison he does a lot of good stuff but he doesn't have as much to overcome in the first movie he had to overcome you know the discrimination that the entire uh village felt against dragons Mm -hmm. and he had to bring that and show that no these dragons are good are are good they can help us and all this other stuff this one he's saving the dragons because he likes dragons yeah the other guys conquering dragons to use against other people because that's what villains do yeah and yeah we've got this little revenge storyline kind of built in there but we didn't really go into it enough we don't really feel like that's we feel like that's more of an excuse more than an actual reason what he's using as an as an excuse a rationalization to do all this but it's not the reason for doing what he's doing and they never tell us really why he's doing what he's why the villain's doing what they're doing and that's just if you they they couldn't they didn't decide if he was an evil for evil's sake or if he was a humanized villain they just said he's just a bad guy and we're not going to go any deeper than that now granite uh from what i read in the trivia earlier where he was supposed to be the villain of the third movie right and they had to bump him up when they decided that Volka was not going to be the villain of the second movie mm. even though you can tell at one point her design she was intended to oh be yeah yeah very easy. um you you can see that in there but uh i have a feeling they didn't have a chance to actually work on his character enough when they had to uh move him forward in the in the story to yeah. actually give him a decent backstory yeah actually and actually work on his character so yeah the the fact that drago is just such a poor villain is my first dislike what's your second my second dislike actually has to deal with drago okay uh so we kind of like like you said i agree with you that drago is kind of a weak character he's a weak villain uh his motivation is kind of it's not weak sauce. It's not like we, we get a understanding of why he does it, but it's not a, such a profound be like, yeah, we get this. Oh, he's a, he's a, he's a big bad guy. That's all he is. Mm-hmm. But when I need some clarification here. So at the end of the film, do we even see Drago get defeated or do we simply the big dragon walk dra- flies off? and is a fly up with him. I don't remember. Yeah, that's the thing. Because I, I, I don't. I'd I'm, have to actually load the video up and watch it again. Yeah, because I'm, I'm literally racking my brain trying to remember. Be like, does Drago? Does he die? I mean, does he just fly off with his, with his I now mean, defeated mount? He's defeated. But I mean, you kind of get the feeling that even the Alpha's not really, you know, big deal anymore. Yeah, he just kind of just want. He just floats off yeah and i i honestly i don't remember be like you know if our if our listening audience is saying be like what exactly happens to drago at the end of the movie i don't remember it's that unimportant to the story yeah apparently because you get the thing where you know um because i mean this even my summary i don't think said what happened to drago 
Yeah. Let me double check here. Back up to where that is. It just says, okay, defeated the Bewilder Beast retreats with Drago on his back. Right. So that's what I thought. He just left. It's like, and I'm sitting there going, is he the villain of the third movie or is there another villain? Because it's been a hot, I've only seen the third movie one time. Yeah. And it's been four years. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's been four years mm-hmm. because we, we talked do, about was, this when we, we were did. in the first movie, which was in season one and we're in season four. four. Yeah. So the math is easy. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with that. I don't, I don't even remember if he even comes back up again. Yeah. Cause like it's, it's it so feels like they're setting up for him to come back, but yeah, because he's, he's not defeated. He hasn't been vanquished. He hasn't been killed or anything. So it's, it's like one of those things that be like, Oh, he's been defeated, but he still lives. So he's still an adversary, even though he was, he's been humiliated and his dragon has been defeated. Well, I mean, they did the whole thing where he's sent home with his tail between his legs. Yeah. But the thing is, there's nothing saying he won't come back at a later date. Yeah, and exactly. I have, and I honestly don't know if in the hidden world, if he's the bad guy in that one, mm-hmm. but beside the point, uh, my second dislike. Yeah. Volca. Volca. Okay. Volca. This is not, this is a problem with how they had to handle their character. Cause like I said earlier, yeah. uh, Volca wasn't originally intended to be the villain of the second mm-hmm. film. But they changed it to be for her not to be. Uh-huh. But there's still a lot of that DNA of her being a villainous character in the show that you never really get the feeling that she. They never got her back away from perhaps her villainous tendencies. Yeah. Um. She. I, it never felt she, she's supposed to be hiccups mother granite yes she didn't get to spend a lot of time with him because you know she left uh when mm-hmm. the uh, when when the drag uh cloud jumper i think is the dra- cloud dragon's jumper. name cloud jumper took her to the dragon's nest during that whole raid mm-hmm. so you never get that feeling she she, she never Obviously, she doesn't know how to be motherly, but she doesn't even feel like she's trying to be motherly. She feels like she she is still very dedicated to her her goal of saving the dragons. Right. But in a lot of ways, as much as I love Kate Blanchett, do yeah. not get me wrong. Right. I, I never really saw any reason for Stoic to even be in love with her. They were in love. You can see that. Yeah. You can see he was in love with her. Right. But I still don't know why. And if, and if you're going to have that much of a love story in there, I, I need to at least see some vestiges of why he fell in love with her. Yeah. And I don't think we really do. I, we don't really get to, she's every time we see her in that flashback, uh, you know, when she gets taken, we don't really see her even acting motherly to hiccup then. So you can see how even then they may not, he and his mother may not have had a, a very good mother son relationship, but it's hard to tell because we only get to see a minute of that, of that time. Yeah. So it's like, and yeah, she went and went to save her son when she thought he was about to get eaten. Mm -hmm. 
but then saw that okay yeah the dragon's not going to eat him so then why did the dragon break into the house there's a question uh so it's like her her character is so much on her her one goal mm-hmm. that that's pretty much her character yeah she's got all these other things but she's so focused throughout the entire movie on this one goal that she never we never get to see her grow from that role to actually be hiccups mother even if she's a 20 year old yeah even though it's 20 years since you know she was hiccups mother by relationship yeah uh, and you can tell she, you can kind of see that she wants that relationship that she lost because she feels stupid for, she feels horrible for leaving him behind. You can see that. Yeah, agreed. But you never get a chance to even really see her even have any motherly tendencies, any of that motherly instinct kick in. Yeah, it's that is going to be there. Yeah, it's just, I, I could, I could probably just choke it up to, like maybe she granted there's not a lot of time for them to show that that is true but you could do like the subtle things i mean the closest thing we get is when toothless you know kills stoic mm. and a hiccup lashes she at toothless them. she says you know it wasn't his fault and you, it wasn't his fault and you know that she's mm. trying to comfort her son yeah and she actually is doing a good job of it there right but that's like the only amount of tenderness we really see between her and hiccup Mm -hmm. because after that you don't have time because you got a war to fight against um drago yeah drago and before that she had to focus you had to focus the relationship that she had on screen with stoic Mm -hmm. because there wasn't much time to to actually show that relationship yeah and even then you only really see that he was in love with her Mm mm-hmm you don't really see much of her being in love with yeah, him because there's... for the most part, especially during the flashback, she's fighting with him mm-hmm. because she's like, she's saying, no, don't kill the dragons. He's like, what are you looking at? Woman, they're killing all our people. So, well, I don't know why I just went Scottish there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, and then you can see uh, she's at least she, she's in an awkward situation when she, when he shows back up because she knows she's wronged him. Yeah. And I guess there is some love in that. It's like, I wronged someone I love. I hope they can forgive me. Yeah. But her character is so, there's so much of that character that's still stuck on that dragon nest Mm -hmm. that I almost feels like she never really, we never really get to see her actually loving very much on her original family. Yeah. The movie is supposed to be getting us to want to see. Agreed. It feels like we never got to that point. Agreed. And I think that's more nitpick than everything else. Cause like I said, there really wasn't time yeah, to agree. show a lot of that, but it's like, show me something, show yeah. me a, a glance, a, uh, a thing where you like, where she has to uh, take a uh, move his hair out from his eyes or something, mm-hmm. some motherly touch. She really feels just like, A long lost relative. A long lost relative who doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And granted, she is that. Mm-hmm. But it's like there should be at least some instinct. You don't even really see Hiccup really fall in love with her because he's more in love with the dragons mm-hmm. that are around. Like she is. And yeah, they're sharing an interest and they're mm-hmm. kind of showing that relationship, but it's right. not really. So I, I I really don't feel like the well they they did 
Valka was a very awkward character throughout most of this film, mm-hmm. but they never really, not even, I think even in the epilogue, did they really do anything to really cement that she was outside of saying it. Yeah. That she was hiccups mother. Agreed. Outside of the fact that stoic's helmet much was about the size of her. Right. Asset much like, it was said in the first movie. So nice touch of detail there. Yes. <laughs> it was a joke in the first movie. Yeah. I'm glad they at least went with it. Agreed. Agreed. So my third dislike is the fact that having watched all three films, mm-hmm. I can't distinguish the third, second and third films in my head. The only like, distinguishing factor I have is, uh, Toothless has a girlfriend. Yeah. And she's a day fury or a light fury. I think yeah, they light call fury. Her. It's like, okay. And then we see their, their kid dragon at the end and he's a Holstein cow dragon. <laughs> he's spotted. <laughs> he's a Dalmatian. <laughs> a Dalmatian dragon. <laughs> Just hopefully they don't have a, like a, like a, a 101 Dalmatian dragons. <laughs> But it's just like Cruella de Vil. Yeah, exactly. He's Cruella de Vil in the, the fourth one. She wants a really nice leather jacket, but still. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it's like, There's yeah. Movie we got to put like, on that list someday too. Wa- watching this film, watching this film, I'm, I'm constantly trying to discern and separate both films from each other. And like, I think it's like probably in the, the, like the second act, it's like, okay, this movie starting to, you know, separate itself, but there's so much of this film that almost like it's resonating what the third film does almost like for like beat by beat by beat in some ways, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's the same film, but there's so much of the elements of the, of the third film that it blurs the blurs the line of like which film is which yeah. film am I supposed to be watching? Because I distinctly remember you got the hidden the, world, yeah, and you've got the dragon nest, which yeah. are virtually the same thing. Yeah, yeah, because that that was the confusing okay. part. And like, there's an alpha in the hidden world. Yeah, there is that essentially the alpha of the dragon nest at the end of the movie, which is toothless. Mm-hmm is going to pay attention to and leave all of Burke for now, granted, I understand we'll get more to this when we get to the third movie. Yeah. But I get why at the end of that movie, they had to get to a point where dragons or mythological creatures. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand why they had to do that mm-hmm. or why they felt they needed to do that. But it just feels like I hate to see that relationship end. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So this, this at least feels like this feels like it should have been the end of a duology. Yeah. But there's a third film. It's, I think it's why I, in my mind there were four films. Cause it's like, there has to be something just between these two. Mm-hmm. Agree. Give it a good excuse as to why there's another film that feels like the second one. Yeah. Now granted, this is not the, the fault of the second film. I think it's just the writing or even the third film for that matter. Yeah. I think it's just like the, the I think it's just the unfortunate happenstance. Yeah, exactly. Similar films. Yeah. You, and it could be so many different el- same elements. Yeah. And it could be like we were saying earlier, cause the Drago was supposed to be the third film's villain. True. It could be that the outline they had 
they when they brought Drago down, they had to bring down what he was doing, and so it's just similar, mm. and that's what they were stuck with. Yeah, and they wasn't enough, even though they had four years to reanimate everything. Apparently, uh, they didn't have enough time apparently to fit, to come up with a different story to handle why the dragons had to leave. Yeah, from an in-universe point of view, I that of makes sense. Storyline totally makes sense. Yeah, it's a theory. I have yeah. no idea how true it is. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out when we do the third film. Get there when we get there. Exactly. One day. One day, four years from now, we finally do the third movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, following the pattern. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that is my third dislike. My third dislike. They really didn't point out that um, Stoic had a dragon at the beginning of this. They make a big to do about what was Stoic's dragon's name? Uh, Skull Crusher. Skull Crusher. They make a big to do about you know Skull Crusher needed a rider. That's why they gave him to Eret, son of Eret. Yeah. They make a big to do about that. Yeah. But I'm sitting there going, did he have a dragon before this? Stoic. Stoic. He didn't have one at the end of the first movie. If he got one, it had to have been between the movies. And they never, I don't remember them actually showing him on a dragon until they went into battle at the very end before he died. I don't remember seeing a dragon for him until that point. Not saying there wasn't one there. I'm just saying because of the way it was shot, most of the scenes where he was perhaps on skull crusher Mm -hmm. might've been uh, cut out for one reason or another. Yeah. Because literally, they don't even show them flying to the nest. Yeah. Uh, him and uh, Craig Ferguson, whose name I can't, the character's name I can't think of right now. Um, they don't show him doing that, uh, f- flying there, because they literally, it's like they just show Gobber. up. Hmm? Gobber. Gobber. They, they show up to kind of spook, uh, you know, you don't even know they're on the island until they're trying to drag uh, Hiccup, Hiccup. Yeah. A- away, not knowing that his wife is there. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't even realize he, he had a dragon until, well, I, I, like I said, there was a point during that battle where it's like, okay, so he's got a dragon. I didn't know that. And then they make that big to do about, you know, now Eric's going to have his dragon. It's like, I don't remember skull crusher being stout's dragon. Did I miss that? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not, like I said, it could have just been, put on the cutting room floor because every scene involving the dragon might, up to that point might have just been hampering the flow of the movie. Yeah, I get that, but I don't remember him doing it. Now, I vaguely remembered him having a dragon because I vaguely remembered a commercial on Nickelodeon that mm-hmm. I happened to see one time when I happened to be on the on the on that channel watching mm-hmm. something. I don't remember what, and they were and it was uh there there was a commercial for the the dragon TV show writers mm-hmm. of Burke. And I remember it's like now stoic has decided now he needs a dragon. I'm like, okay, he had a dragon. I didn't know this almost makes it more sense that he wouldn't have a dragon and someone had to carry him. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think with this, it's one of those that if you hadn't watched the TV show prior to this, you may not you, have known. You may not know. You can't, 
as much as I love uh, connected universes between TVs and movies, mm-hmm. you have to at least when you're when you're switching between your major audiences like that, mm-hmm. you have to make at least some assumption that some of your audience has not seen that show. Yeah. So you need to actually give us at least a couple shots. Now, granted, there could be shots in this film. Yeah. I don't remember them. Like establishing shots of him on that dragon. Yeah. I don't remember them. I'm not saying you've got to have a scene where he has to um, somehow convincingly say, yes, we need to get on my dragon skull crusher. I don't know why I'm going Scottish again. <laughs> skull crusher and uh, fly off to save my, my boy Hiccup. You don't have to do that. Right. But it's like, I don't remember you had a dragon. I didn't know you had a dragon. Now we're making a big to-do about giving Aaron a dragon. There are thousands of dragons he could have. Why does he need this specific one that specific one that we now know has a name and used to be uh, Stouts? Stouts. That's not the character's name. <laughs> Stoic. Stoics. Which, by the way, I will say I did like that line of Volkos that says, why do you have to be so stoic, stoic? <laughs> that was a great line. Right. But anyway, that's my third dislike. It's like, I just don't remember this character having this one little thing. And it really doesn't matter Fair. for the course of the story. But anyway, that brings us to the end, I think, of the episode. Yes. Uh, or of the review. So we need to rate this thing. I'm giving it an eight. Okay. It's a very beautiful movie. The story is good. Mm-hmm. It might be a little thin. But it's still a good fun, a good story. Um, and it shows a lot. It has a lot of great action and a lot of good heartfelt moments. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm giving it an eight. Uh, I'm in the same boat. Uh, it's an eight for me. It's a very well animation wise. Beautiful. Uh, there's a lot of more. It's like like the like the dislikes we brought up. It's just it's you're nitpicking things. But overall, the story is very well done. And honestly, I can't wait for us to review three or mm-hmm. the hidden world. Uh, because I remember watching this in theaters when we were in the, the early stages of doing the podcast. I think we had recorded frozen when that came out, but yeah, we hadn't we did. released frozen yet. Yeah. We had not f- released frozen yet, but overall fantastic film worth a watch. Go watch it on Netflix. If you have Netflix, which I think most people have Netflix. I think not everyone point. does. Not everybody. Ne- does. Netflix is the service that's actually losing subscribers. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Animated series. Animated series. T.S. And the masters of the universe. We are reviewing Rapunzel's Tank Adventure Season 2, 
episode named Rapunzeltopia. Mm-hmm. Directed by Tom Caulfield and written by Ricky Roxburgh. Guest cast includes Clancy Brown as King Frederick, Julia, Julie Bowen as Queen Ariana, Gavin Creel as Matthews, the return of Donna Murphy as Mother Gothel. Yes! <laughs> Suzanne Blakesley as Old Lady Crowley, Diedrich Bader as Stan the Guard, Sean Hayes as Pete the Guard, Alan Dale as the Vicar, and Jennifer Veal as Whispered Voice. Whispered Voice. <laughs> in this episode, Rapunzel wakes up and finds herself in Corona with short brown hair and a seemingly perfect life, as if all the events of the Black Rocks and Varian never happened. Mm-hmm. Trivia for this episode. Suzanne Blakesley replaces Pat Carroll as Old Lady Crowley during this episode and forward for un- uh, past this point for unknown reasons. Presumably really? her old age in some deleted storyboard and in some deleted storyboards, Varian was to appear during the episode, but unfortunately he does not appear. Mm. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode repeats the shot from the movie Tangled, where Rapunzel knocked out Eugene over the head with oh, the frying my... pan. However, it, was... it is Mother Gothel who finds herself on the receiving end of Rapunzel's frying pan in this case. The title of this episode is a play on the word utopia, as well as being one of the few episodes to be named after Rapunzel. Let's talk about this. Oh my gosh. It's a we good... get to see Void uh Voidberg. <laughs> it's not her Void name. Friedberg again. Friedberg. Who's Fried... hold, who's holding whose hand? You know the I don't remember the guy's name. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's Big Nose, isn't it? Big Nose, yeah. Big, big nose. nose. Yeah, Big Nose. Because it's it's this idea of like this perfect life. And I'm like right. when, when she wakes up, I'm like, what? I'd be like you obviously know it's a dream because you have Eugene and Cassandra are being buddies with each other. No, no, no. Let's start this from the beginning. You know, something's up because they're back in Corona. Corona. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could just imagine if I was watching this on Disney Channel. Yeah. And not, you know, as a kid and not really knowing what mm-hmm. a season or an episode is, but I'm invested in the show. And all of a sudden this episode comes on and she's waking up in her home i'm thinking okay this is a rerun yeah because it kind of has that feel at the very beginning mm-hmm. even though it has you know the new new episode intro on it you're mm-hmm. kids you don't notice those things right it's like okay but then it slowly starts thinking okay this is all fake yeah because it, it actually it, it starts with just cassandra when she comes yeah. in the room because she is way too happy about being on princess duty oh yeah because that's something she didn't like from the beginning, because that's just not who she is. Yeah. She was never really a lady-in-waiting type of character. Oh, yeah. She's always meant to be really the bodyguard, mm-hmm. for the most part, and the good friend in that way. So, in fact, she's like, Rapunzel asks, what is she wearing? She says, oh, I know. Isn't it cute? I'm going, that's not, not Cassandra! Cassandra! <laughs> <laughs> this character would never say this. <laughs> Three seconds later, oh, hey, Blondie. Oh hey Cassandra, how are you? How are you? They're oh, like you. It's like this is wrong. This <laughs> these, is wrong. These two things do not work together. I, I already know there's a lot bad going to happen in this, and I don't even know the context of why this is happening. Weren't we in a house of shells earlier? <laughs> yeah, we were, and we yeah, still are. We still are. It's like because I like okay. I know we're still. I still have to be in that house. That's the only way this makes sense. Mm-hmm. How are they going to bring this in? And the fact that you actually do get a scene of them running, trying to find Rapunzel yeah. in the house right before 
Cassandra goes off to a, sn- a special room that we don't know what happens in. Right. Zip. Yes, keep that zipped. <laughs> uh, we and then we follow Lance and uh, Eugene. Eugene into the obviously evil room because uh-huh. there's a skull. There's a Minotaur skull head with glowing green eyes. This uh-huh. is Disney. Green is evil. Exactly. Uh, especially lime. Neon green uh-huh. is evil. You know this. It's been that way since Snow White. Yes. <laughs> so you know you're going into the evil room, and she's and you see Rapunzel is being covered in these vines, uh-huh. and you see Matthews. Mm-hmm. He's not Matthews. <laughs> I don't remember what he said his name was. And then he actually f- mentions fully that he serves Zontiri. Uh-huh. It's like oh, he kind of said that in the last at the end of the last one too. Yeah. But it's like. It's like, okay, all cards are on the table now. Uh, okay, how do we save Rapunzel? Oh, you can't save Rapunzel. She has to save herself. Self. And mm-hmm. why would she... And, and to do that, she has to willingly wake up for her dream, but why would she leave a perfect life? Wife. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And we go... Uh, most of the rest of the episode does take place, you know, back in Rapunzel-topia, we'll say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a throwback to before ever after. Yeah. The whole episode takes place during that time, mm-hmm. except people are way too buddy, buddy. Yeah, they are way, way too, too buddy, buddy. buddy. <laughs> and the, the, the one part is like when our, 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 uh, our villains like reveals his, his villainy. And it's like, Oh, be like, if you, if you like, if you don't want to stay in your, you know, your perfect world, welcome to your nightmare. nightmare. Well, that whole transition where, uh, you know, it's Eugene, and he's being all uh, Flynn Rider-ish, mm-hmm. like he always is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all, the, and all of a sudden, he has. It's like he, you know, he realizes, okay, yeah, this is not going to last much longer. I need to buckle down, and he does that transition. It's like, uh huh. And they play both voice actors. Both voice actors are saying mm-hmm. the lines at the same time. Oh yeah, to give you that transition. It's like, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's it's good really good. Editing. It is. And you get this whole thing. But what's interesting is how well um, Mandy Moore, I couldn't think of yeah. the actress of her mm-hmm. name, <laughs> how well Mandy Moore plays both uh, herself, herself and- in both instances, the, the fictional, technically fictional self. That's most like her version of the, sh- of her, of her character at this it, point. Yeah. And then the version of her that was, going back and playing the version of her from uh, before ever after, which are, you know, she's had character growth since then, Yeah, but she's very believable as both versions. Of Agreed. This character. Agreed. And I kept thinking, okay, yeah, this is taking place in her mind. What is the worst possible thing that could happen that they could pull from? And they do it. Oh yeah. We go back to the tower and who's there, but mother Guthel. <laughs> it's like, yay. I shouldn't like this. This should scare me to death. But it's like, <laughs> not scare me to death because I'm an adult. Right. It's like, this should be a horrible thing to have. It's like, hit her in the face. Hit her in the, the face. face. <laughs> you are back to, you are not who you were when you were in this tower. Punch her in the face with the frying pan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. Especially when she starts. She Monologuing? Says, <laughs> yeah, the villain, she starts smiling says, Surely you should know by now, Rapunzel, that mother knows. Sing! <laughs> it's like, I've like, always wanted to do that. It's like, no, you 
didn't, but I guess on some level you did. <laughs> she, she is the woman who raised you technically. True. True. So, which we'll get there when we get there. We get there. Uh, <laughs> but the, the scene that I liked the most, it was more when it shifts into the nightmare mm-hmm. and she Cassandra's there and she pulls her glove off. <laughs> And it's yes. like, you did this to me, Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. And like the hand That's is like, all like withered. And right. Because like, they, they've really cool. never gone into what that you almost forgot that that happened. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. And then <laughs> Pascal Zilla. Oh, gosh, that <laughs> I did not see Pascal Zilla coming, but it made sense at the time. It did. And he doesn't look like Pascal. He looks like an actual chameleon. Mm, he does. He's got the, the weird eyes and everything. So I'm going, yeah, yeah that's how you make Pascal a monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, this is great. You'll never escape Pascalzilla, except you have to for story reasons. That is true. And it's all in your mind, so you can warp anywhere true. else you need to go. Yeah, I, I did like the idea when she when she comes to the realization when she's back in the tower that this is my dreams. Mm-hmm. This is my mind. You can't control my mind. Right. And, I, I, and you get the scene where it teleport. She teleports her and uh, I know they called him Williams. That's not his name. No. Um, Matthews. Matthews. Um teleports them to the black rocks mm-hmm. and she does that thing with her arms and the black rocks raised to meet her like i am the god in this world and you shall perish <laughs> it's not what she says it does, but, but that's, it's, it's, that's it's that, that, that kind of feeling it's got that gravitas of that. and she reaches out grabs the black rock the her hair does that whole goes super saiyan <laughs> she freaking goes super <laughs> saiyan <laughs> And blasts him out of her head and wakes up. And it's like, yes! <laughs> there you go, girl. <laughs> get out of this stupid house. And they all go running out. In the minute I realize, okay, there's Lance, there's Eugene, there's Oh Rapunzel. my gosh. Where's Shorty? Wait, oh. where's Cassandra? <laughs> I literally, I, I actually, that happens. Like, I actually said, where's Shorty? He hasn't been in this episode. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. Is. But no, Lilaris, like, where's Shorty? Where's Cassandra? We haven't seen her since she went into the evil room. The obviously evil room. Right. We haven't seen that. Where is what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then just enough of the of the sand builds up to build the door, and Cassandra comes out, and you can tell something's not right, but you uh-huh. don't know what. Oh, yeah, the 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 build-up to that where they're confronting the door and uh Eugene is like, we don't know what kind of horrible spooky thing is coming to this door. It's it just got worse. And Cassandra comes out and says, It's as bad as I thought it was going to be. But Eugene, you're digging yourself a hole. He is. He is. And that point where be like she comes out of the door, and obviously something's happened, and we don't know what has happened we will fu- we will find we will that out get there when, when we, we get, get there. there but that, that probably scene, that scene in where, the like, final two episodes of the season i'm guessing uh or the first two episodes of the next season possibly one of the two one of the two or but, one of the four but anyway but that's but that scene where it's like uh rapunzel comes running up to the uh cassandra and that glare yeah. i was like oh crap what happened <laughs> something <laughs> happened we something, don't know what something something really happened yeah so then we it's like we get this episode it's like okay we gotta go yeah it's like and it just ends and it's like closure 
do you exist? <laughs> oh, maybe they'll get to the next one. Oh, what's the next one called? Lost and Found. Oh, look, a monkey. <laughs> the stupid monkey's the stupid back. Monkey's back. Okay, let's go into Lost and Found because that's kind of how I was going at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go into Lost and Found. Yeah. Directed by Shane Zalvin and written by Jeremy Ship. The guest cast includes Carol Kane as Madame Con Artist. You'll notice every time I've said this character's name, I've intentionally emphasized a syllable. Yes. She is a con artist. artist. Madame Con Artist is a con artist. Anyway, D. Bradley Baker as Vigor and a llama. Oh, really? It's D. Bradley Baker this time? Yes. Okay. However, Timothy Dalton as Demantius. Do you know the name Timothy Dalton? The name sounds real. Is that he's a he was a James Bond actor? He was a James Bond actor. He's the the one after uh, Roger Moore, but before um, Goldeneye. Yeah, I know. Or yeah, you're. He was um, in. He's he was he's done a lot of things, and I can't mm. think of his name. Yeah, he's the one that most visually fits the, the the description of James Bond. And I can't think of the guy's Pierce name. Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. It's the one between those two. Yeah. He also played like uh, a evil time lord in Doctor Who. Yeah. At the end of uh, uh, David Tennant's run. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. good episode. You you need to watch that show if you don't. Yeah. It's, especially that end. That last episode. Those last episodes yeah. are good. Anyway, also uh, Gavin Creel, Donna Murphy, and Ed Eden Regal are as additional voices. Interesting. Really? Those, the, the choices of those actors. Yeah. Isn't that very, very interesting? It is. I'm not going to go into why that's interesting. Yeah, no. Don't. No. <laughs> no. But I, let's face it. I know who all these three people are. The cat's already out of the bag. <laughs> no, even when you don't consider that cat being out of the bag. Right. It's like, I know when I saw that one scene, and we'll, I'll get to the rest of it in a minute. It's like, yeah. That's Matthews. That's the painter girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whose name I can't remember. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, in this episode, Rapunzel and Eugene must traverse a deadly maze, and their guide through the labyrinth is none other than Vigor the Visionary. That stupid monkey. Exactly. <laughs> in this episode, the fourth and final piece of the ancient scrolls retrieved, and it is restored at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. There was my first edit in the trivia, by the way. Because this that trivia point went a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> it is revealed during this episode that Sugracha the Eternal, also known as Mrs. Sugarbee from Painter's Block, mm. and Matthews, a.k.a. Tromus, and possibly Mother Gothel, mm. once were the pupils of Lord Demantius. Yeah. So they betrayed uh-huh. him to free and serve their new master, Zantiri. Yes! <laughs> Rapunzel mentioned the Demantius device that stopped the blizzard during the episode Queen uh-huh. Bird Day, which released Mrs. Sugarbee, a.k.a. Sugracha the Eternal. It is the third time Rapunzel unleashes the protective shield from her hair following the episodes What the Hair and The Quest for Varian. Uh-huh. This is the second episode of the series that Rapunzel, Eugene, Madame Cunartist, and Vigor are inside the fortune-telling wagon after Vigor the Visionary. Ah. Also, this is Pascal's only episode of the series 
to be inside the fortune telling wagon, and it is his only time to meet Madame Con Artist and Vigor. Hmm. No one else ever gets to meet these guys. No, they don't. <laughs> Rapunzel granted Eugene a birthday at the beginning of the episode, true, where she gave him a makeshift cupcake and told him not to eat it. Yeah. Because that would kill him. Yeah. Uh, Rapunzel and Eugene do not wear their new outfits in this episode. Hmm. The bronze graphic, Adira's black rock sword, and hmm. the spire make a cameo during this episode. Really? Mm-hmm. Cassandra appears only at the beginning and end of the episode, but doesn't hmm. have dialogue like during the episode Max's Enemy. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, it is implied that one of Lord Demantius' three pupils who had ultimately double-crossed him to serve Zontiri was Mother Gothel, Gothel herself. Yeah, over a thousand years ago. Makes sense considering how much she knew about the sun drop. Exactly. And I'd like to say one of the great things about this episode is how, yeah, we've mentioned Mother Gothel and Matthews mm-hmm. and painter girl whose name i'll never remember after no i'm not reading it off of a screen right <laughs> uh we we mentioned how they are uh they they might be mm-hmm. these characters oh yeah but they do a good job of masking oh who yeah these people are oh, throughout yeah. the rest of this throughout this entire episode uh-huh you kind of know oh yeah because you do yeah but <laughs> it they do a good job of masking and finally giving us some story oh to actually bite into it's like here's what's been going on this whole time Mm -hmm. and i enjoy this for this episode um the fact that okay i assumed for some Mm -hmm. reason vigor the visionary was a bad guy yeah okay i Mm. thought somehow he was under the control of zantiri almost since the first time i saw him that makes sense every other the other two episodes that he is in it always ends with Vigor staring Eugene down yeah. in a way that is unlike his, his appearance mm-hmm. throughout the rest of those episodes. Right. Now, I get the feeling, based on some things I was spoiled on earlier this uh, year, <laughs> accidentally, mm-hmm. that there might be a different reason for that than I initially thought. Right. But we will get there when we get there. Um, the fact that while I still hate the character of Vigor the Visionary with a passion, mm-hmm. the fact that they actually use him here in a good way where it's like, I kind of do want to see you survive this and maybe they'll find a way with Rapunzel's magic hair to, you know, free you from this monkey trap a mm-hmm. dungeon or uh, life you've given yourself to. But uh, I'm also kind of makes sense. Like, no, you. This is the, the decision you made to hide yourself, and that's what you're stuck with. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it really does. You really do kind of get the feel by the end of this episode that maybe he's not, not all gone. gone. Like maybe he could come back, possibly. But I'm still curious about the character of Madame Con Artist. Mm. For one thing, we've mentioned that her name is a pun. I've, mm. I've pointed it out many yeah. times that her name is literally Madam Con Artist. Mm-hmm. That name is almost too punny to be real. 
true to be her actual name in any way, shape, or form. Mm. So I wonder if maybe maybe there's more to her than they've shown so far. I don't know if she shows back up. I don't know if Vigor shows back up. I assume assume in flashbacks we'll at least get to see more of Demantius, but I don't know this for certain. Possibly. Um, But yeah, this finally is is starting to lay story groundwork Mm -hmm. that I have been wanting since season one. (laughs) (laughs) Because both the first season and the second season did this thing where they had a episode dead center middle of the season that finally did something with what was going on in the case of the first season it was queen for a day where it was a two-part mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. where we found out about uh actually it was the first time we actually heard the name zantiri or uh yeah what's his Dem- name demantius demantius so it that launched story and then they had a couple episodes peppered out through the rest of season one like painter's block and a couple mm. others that kind of like pushing us towards, okay, here's some story. And then we got to season two and we get a little bit of stuff with the black rocks with Adira. Mm-hmm. And then for the most part, we've been kind of playing around for most of the second yeah. season until we got to Rapunzel and the great tree mm-hmm. two part episode mm-hmm. right at the end. Right. At a, uh, at, at, the, at the end of the hiatus yeah and there's a cup and once again there's a couple episodes here as we're nearing the end of the season where we're actually pushing the story forward mm-hmm. again i'm afraid this pattern is going to continue in the season three mm. where we'll get a couple of episodes at the beginning where there's story that's the part of the main story mm-hmm. and then we'll get about five or six maybe seven episodes in a row where we're playing around again it's just in different mm-hmm. circumstances. We'll get another two part episode that will bring the story back into focus. We'll have one or two little, you know, piddling things. Mm-hmm. And then they'll just throw like the rest of the story in at the very end. Possibly. I'm afraid that's the pattern. And a part of me is like, I understand having character specific, mm-hmm. um, filler episodes yeah I'm fine with that but you still need to it's okay for instance free bird okay those are just two random people out in the forest isn't it yeah pretty much they have nothing to do with the story other than getting the characters to hang out together yeah as birds yeah pretty much how much better would that have been if these were some of zantiri's uh, followers also Maybe not direct followers, maybe following yeah. under Matthews. Yeah. Because you could have... Agree. That, that makes sense. You could have had uh, Painter Lady be the villain for season one. Yeah. And had her, all the, all the, everyone working under her that was kind of getting it to this point. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe end it, end, have her episode where it is. Yeah. And then that will lead you towards Varian because obviously Varian is going to be a major player. Mm-hmm. going forward even though we haven't seen him much this season because we haven't been in corona right he's still in jail mm-hmm. second season you could have matthews be your main villain and everything's leading to matthews mm-hmm. uh maybe uh the uh what's his name from uh rapunzel and the great tree that that bad guy with the oh wolves. yeah 
he could have been working for her. The, 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 the bird couple, they could have been working for, for him. Yeah. Uh, cause admittedly some of that magic feels like the magic from that point. It does. You could even have the Baron and stallion, maybe not directly working for him, but working kind of have a connection back to yeah, him. I agree. Have all of this combined into one story where it feels like the same group is attacking you every mm-hmm. time you get a chance to go, but that's not what's happened. Yeah. What we've happened is, yeah, they've gone on journeys and most of them have been disconnected from each other, but that's all slowly moving towards the black rocks. And let's face it. There was a time where we were stuck on an Island with no rocks on it. And we did nothing while we were there. True. In, in reality. Right. There was nice, nice little couple character things, but one of the big character stories from that Mm -hmm. arc is completely gone. Now that one of the characters is gone from the show completely. Now the hookfoot. Yeah. And he's never showing back up anymore. Yeah. So it's like, that almost feels like a wasted episode because now hookfoot's not part of the story. Granted, maybe they lost what they were doing with him and maybe the actor decided to, he, he, wasn't getting paid enough or just was tired of the thing or had to work on or a schedule didn't work out. I don't know. Yeah. But and at least I gave him a good out. True. I'll, I'll say that, but it really does feel like we've been, and don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed the show. Okay. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. But I am a little annoyed with the structure of the show where it's goofy stuff that, that really mm. leads nowhere for the first or, or sorry, story at the beginning right from episode from after the two-parter till the halfway point filler that does nothing for the story other than uh have nice things with the characters right two-parter that brings us back to the story some episodes that really do move the story along but you're still peppered through with some filler here and there then a two-part episode to end the season that's heavily story focused then a two-part episode that's heavily story-focused to start the season, next season, and so on and so forth. That's what mm. we've gotten. Yeah, and that's a little bit annoying. Yeah, I agree that the pattern that pattern is there because I want, I want to feel like I'm not saying I felt like I've wasted my time, right? But they've not done a good job of making me not feel I've wasted my time. Fair enough, because so many of the people we've gone up against or the uh, things that we've dealt with, the, the, the things they've had to overcome. Mm-hmm. Well, I get, you know, I get it. It's still a kid's show. It's still meant to be a fun show, but it really does feel like we've not done enough to connect the plot of the overall story in with the individual plots of the individual episodes. That's really what I'm trying to get at. Makes sense. Now that I've nitpicked the show to death. <laughs> All right. Your so, turn. Okay. <laughs> So the uh, we we've already gone over like the chunk of this episode, yes, and what it, what it implies the fact that uh, Mother Gothel is implied to be a implied is such a nice word for what they did. Yeah, it's not really implied. It's like it's like, gee, these three characters in silhouette look awfully familiar, yeah. and it's interesting that they're voiced by the people who voiced them before. True, or these other characters, isn't that? interesting yes so going to the very end of our episode mm-hmm. going to the very end of the episode where uh vigor gives eugene the the little pearl on his head yes we and, do need to talk and, about and, that and you get the note in which the note reads, says this one of 
Yes. At the end of Rapunzel's journey, one of her friends will betray her. Yeah, one of her party shall uh, shall turn against and, her. And you know they kind of linger on each person. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pascal doesn't make a whole lot of sense, mm. but <laughs> they right. kind of linger on each person. Like, gee, I wonder who mm. is going to betray her. Why are we staying on Cassandra a little bit longer than everybody yeah. else? Mm-hmm. Why did the music change when she, it was her turn? Right. Oh, I know. It's the female horse that's going to betray Rapunzel. Oh, yeah. That's who it is. Yeah, of that's course. That's the traitor. Of course. It's the horse whose name I'll never remember. Because <laughs> she has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> She's there because it wouldn't make sense to have Max pull the caravan by himself. True. He needs a partner in crime. <laughs> that is so true. And poor Max has had so very little to do this season besides pull that caravan. <laughs> He's had one episode true Poor that's Max. all he had true he didn't even get to do anything fun in the rest of the episodes outside of you know going after the the happiness totem at one point like everybody else was doing that episode true anyway sorry yeah just like that whole thing it's like it has like eugene like oh my gosh who's gonna betray me like and they kind of imply it could be cassandra it could be heavily implied heavily implied it's like gee Okay, I'm going to touch on this. I've brought this up before, but I'm going to touch on this. Okay. We know one person from this group is going to betray Rapunzel. Yes, we do. We know. I've I've said from episode one. From Rapunzel's, uh, from Before Ever After. Yeah. That I had a theory that Cassandra was the biological daughter Mm -hmm. of Mother Gothel. Right. Why did I say that? Well, she looks like her. Yeah. So why wouldn't the character who looks like the villain from the movie that they visually focus the camera on for a longer than they did everybody else right? and have the music get that sour tone to it. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. It's like, boy, you people are not subtle. (laughs) Y'all don't even know what subtle means. Mm. I thought y'all were not being subtle when you showed the silhouettes of these three obvious characters we've seen before, mm-hmm. even though one of them was so old, I didn't th- remember who, who her name was and had to look up her name and still can't remember it now, even though I've said her name three times. I just know her as Painter Lady. And you even hired her back to do the voice. Good job. <laughs> but it's, uh, mm. th- th- I thought that was not subtle. This is even less subtle. It's like, yeah, agreed. Boy. You are really hitting it home for the children in the back who don't, who, who still aren't going to understand. It's a that wink, 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 <laughs> nudge, nudge. Let's face it. I already know Cassandra's going to betray Rapunzel. Mm. This, this you... episode tells us that. Yeah. Could. They don't tell us how she's going to do that. Right. And let's face it. I have seen pictures of Cassandra from season three. Right. That's all I'm going to say. Right. It was not what something I was going out and looking for. Right. It hits me. And it's like, uh, why didn't I get you to look trivia up for this instead of me looking for it? Why didn't you? Why didn't I think of that two years ago when we started this? <laughs> but anyway, anyways, so I think I we think have, that brings us to the end of the episode. I think so. 
Uh, so yeah, next time we are reviewing the two-part episode... Destinies Collide. Destinies part Collide. One and, one and two. Yes, we will be reviewing that next week, so join us then as we finish season two, two years after we started this show. Sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> covering Rapunzel's this. Tangled Adventure. Right. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing where this goes because this... It feels like the show is just now finally getting really good. And I'm just afraid it's about to trip over itself and we'll be down in the filler episodes again. Mm. But anyway, we'll see. We'll get there when we get there. Mm -hmm. So join us next time for that. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell, with a single L. Hey!